Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for a very special edition of the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast. I am here with one of my oldest friends, one of the comedians I've been doing stand-up with the longest, and uh, one of the, I would say I consider you my generation, so I would say, oh, yeah, yeah one of the top, you already, you already know him with this voice, top comics of my generation, and absolute, I don't know how many fucking, well, how many specials you're on, but uh, the, the, the great Jim Gaffigan. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I That's it. it. That's all I got is an amazing interview, uh, uh, intro. No, no interview, no nothing. Uh, well, great to have you on here. It's great. It's great to it's great to chat. You know, it's with headphones on and microphones as opposed to what we've been doing for the last twenty. How long <laughs> I've known you? Ninety five. I mean, twenty four years. I've known you for almost a quarter of a century. We both moved to New York. I think roughly the same time around ninety five. I just you know I was well I was failing in New York for years before that, but you know for like I started in ninety ninety one. So, uh, but yeah, now it's. I remember. I remember. I remember when you were Billy. Yeah, and I first, uh, yeah, I was young Billy, and I had hair. Oh yeah, it's a long time ago. Do you remember the first time I met you? Well, first of all, before we get it out of the yeah. way here, uh, is uh, Jim has a new special called Quality Time on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon Prime. If you don't have it, you can subscribe, and they'll give you thirty days for free. And the first thing you should watch is this Master Comics new special. Uh, and a renegade, I love that you know everybody's you know going to Netflix and you're you're doing your own thing. Yeah, well, you know, there's going to be a lot more. I mean, we so? know every five years. I think so. I think in, it's going to be interesting to see where this. I think there's going to be the way out. there was NBC, CBS, and ABC. There's going to be global NBC, CBS, and as far as like streaming networks. Yeah. Where there's just and they're just gonna be banging into each other like like behemoths. Oh, sorry, that's my phone. And well, I think um, yeah, there's gonna be at least three, but maybe five. I don't know, because uh, you know you know, know Disney's not gonna fail, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just like <laughs> it's that's impossible. And then Netflix has a, you know, they've got how many 150 million subscribers in the U.S. Yeah, I'd say they're pretty established. Yeah, so they're fine. And then Amazon, which is larger than most western countries the I know. value so it's like i think that i think they're still kind of like huh, do we want to do this or do we want to like sell cars do you know what i mean it's like they're <laughs> do you want to have big. drones deliver these cars yeah yeah no so, it's a um it is since since i met you how much this business forget about the world has changed yeah. it's incredible but i guess you know what was that 95 so if you went back That'd be like going back to 1970. I guess, yeah, I guess it, it's sort of normal. But the first time I met Jim, I wanted to tell yeah, this story, sure. was we were at the Improv, what was left of the Improv. Yeah. Um, the the club owner and his wife, unfortunately, went their separate ways. Yeah. And in the divorce, she got the Improv name. Uh, in New York. Uh, she got the Improv New York. That's right. Yeah. And, and that club, because it was like the end of the 80s. Yeah. And it all just dipped down and that legendary room went away. Yeah. But she still had the name. So I had a spot at the air quote improv and I went and it was a restaurant, back room at a restaurant. 34th Street, right? Is that where it, I can't remember. Yeah. I just went in there and this woman was just coming up to me being like, telling me, okay, uh, this is the light. And she had a pen light. Yeah. And there was still a piano on stage on this little three foot stage. They somehow yeah. put a piano up there because that was the improv brand. It's just like when I flick this twice, that means you have two minutes. And I flick it once, that's one minute. 
when I leave it on, that means you get off the stage. And she was talking to me like a drill sergeant. I was just yeah. like, this lady is out of her fucking mind. Well, it is. I and mean, that's where I met you. Yeah. And we were both standing there waiting to go on in front of like, I don't know, eight people. Yeah, if we were lucky, eight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about how dramatically it's changed from just people understanding stand-up. Like now, like 13-year-olds know more about stand-up. It took us like 10 years to figure out, uh, like, you know, what's going on. But, like, the audiences used to they'd walk in. They're like, I don't know. Do I even need to know English for this? Yeah. It was just <laughs> – and it, there was a certain level of combat. Do you know what I mean? There was, yeah. like, you're not going to be embraced with warmth. You yeah. know, whereas today people are like – I mean, I feel like we're in this golden period where people love and appreciate stand-up. And that was not – we were, you know, it was also after this boom. So, like, there was too many comedians, not enough clubs. Oh, yeah. And it was not it was an idea. It was period. overexposed and it was considered annoying. That's yeah. when I started. It was a joke on The Simpsons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then they did a great job, too. Yeah. I hated how fucking good that they, yeah. like, that was like, hey, what's the deal? You know what? They did it on Cheers <laughs> yeah. a long time ago. Like, in the 80s or early 90s was, uh, was Cliff Clavin. Yeah. Did stand up and he just said uh, he just kept going. What's the deal? What's the deal with this? What's the deal with that? And and uh, that's kind of like where it was. But to see it now, where like you know, it's come. I I think it it is. It took me a while to wrap my head around it, but I think it is a good thing. That uh, I don't know. I I I think it is. It, it everybody kind of got set free for yeah. better or for worse. Yeah, you know, there's like some. I, I you know just the fact that everybody you have to come up with a new hour a new hour and you're well, and you're I've, another year older so you're going to be better at writing jokes where yeah. people when we were coming up there'd be people that they had this work the same friggin hour they had the same they had like the jokes that killed and then they would just sprinkle it in with some topical shit for like 20 30 fucking years yeah it is the whole concept of a special is it's, you know, it's the name has been grandfathered in, but it really, I mean, it has to be special, but it is also as a comedian, whether it's like one or two years, there is something about, you know, you, I don't know how you view it, but I kind of, uh, you know, after a year or so, I'm kind of like, I want to move on from material. Yeah. I want to like craft it. You know, it's always figuring out, but you also have this skill set. But it's completely different from that era. Like Carlin was like this freak of nature. He was the only him and Joan Rivers were the only yeah. ones just turning it over. I felt to that level back then when there was no reason to be doing it. But like the yeah. two of them, I think you know just the sheer amount of uh, uh, material that but they, like, that they you know, wrote. There was no expectation that Dennis Leary was going to do more than one special. You know, it was he didn't need to. Well, then you kind of did one, and then you you. This is what's so fucked for all you youngsters listening: is you did one, and then that got you into the real money. As far as like you got a sitcom, most people didn't. That's kind of yeah. a but whatever sitcom and in movies. And if you got to that, most of those people stopped doing stand up. Yeah. And now it's so fucked, where it's like now uh, a stand up. I guess because there's really there's kind of no money when once everybody gets a show then there's 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 just not the money that was in a TV no. show so right. now it's like as a comic you're going onto a set going like I could make like 
twice this Absolutely. in one ninetieth of the time. I could just fly to Des Moines, go, hey, what's going on? What's up with my dick? Is that crazy? <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's cold here. And and then fucking go hang out with people in Iowa, have a great goddamn time, yes. and then fly back and be done as opposed to sitting in a fucking trailer for like 14 hours waiting to be a cop. Right. <laughs> or, or being, you know, and, and doing stand-up would be more creatively fulfilling. But it also is... It makes you pick and choose things. Right. Where, like, I, you know, I did this movie, American Dreamer, where I'm like, I made no money, but I got to play, like, a, a guy that I never got would right. get to play. And so, but, you know, I don't view acting as an income source. Like, I don't have to no. sit there and go. But I love like, it, though. Oh, I really love so it. so fun. And I love the process, and I love the people that you meet. But, like, uh, on on days when it isn't working, there's definitely that thing just being like, Jesus Christ, why don't I just go to a funny bone and just fucking do my stupid act well, six times and then come spoiled. home? I think we're spoiled. I think we're spoiled. We go on stage with a microphone. We have complete control over the lines, you know, what we say, how we say it. Right. You know what? I'm not in the mood to do this bit tonight. Like, I just did a, a setup there. I haven't done stand-up in seven days, so I was like, what is my act? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still kind of like, no matter how messy it was, it was fun. Whereas, like, uh, you know, for me, and, and you love acting, too. It's like, you you know, it's this group thing. You know, it's like you want to make sure that you're serving someone else's vision. You want to contribute some ideas, but, like, in the end, you know, the writer or director, you want to make sure that they're getting what they want. Particularly yeah. having been on the other side, when you have your own show, you know that, like, the value of someone just showing up, adding value, and and not being a dick. Do you oh, that's so, all you got to so. do to keep working. If you go up and you sell the shit out of what they wrote and you're <laughs> a cool guy, you can you can work for a long fucking time. Yeah. I, I'll be what blows me away is, is, is in that world. Um on a couple of things that I've been on where it was real like improv and stuff, they were just like, wow, man, you actually learned the lines. Like most people come to set, they don't know the lines on this thing and blah, 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 yeah. blah. And I was just sitting there going, who's got the balls to show up and not know the lines? Oh, yeah. No, it's absurd. Well, I think it's also amazing. How do you make a choice? Like, well, how do you even know what the fucking scene is about? If you, I mean, I don't know shit about acting, but like I got to know what's going on, where we are in the story and what happened before, don't you? I mean, that's like... That's like shit I learned like the first two acting classes. Like, what's your moment before? The first time they said yeah. that? Before you walk through that door, what the fuck just happened to you? Yeah. Did somebody absolutely. splash you with a puddle? Make a choice. What the f- you don't you don't walk into a room with a blank slate. Um, even if you wake up in the morning, I just had a fucked up dream. Oh my god, yeah. I didn't sleep well. Like you have like a fucking something happen yeah. to you and like watching people, uh, I don't know. It's it's weird. It is amazing. Like if you don't know the there's not knowing the lines, but there's also not knowing what's going on in the scene. It's like, how do you even do the scene? But I don't know. I mean, no, because I then it gets weird because then you're going to watch it when they cut it all together. And then you like whatever arc your fucking character is supposed to go on. You're, you're like the levels are not going to it's oh, not yeah. going to be that thing. It's just going to be this erratic. Well, that's that's this what erratic I also thing. love about acting is there's like a mathematics to it. Similar to I mean, first of all, people don't realize there is acting obviously involved in in stand-up and you know you're telling a story and like you know you can't if you're building to like a larger point you can't be like uh going against you don't have to be authentic but you can't be like uh if you're you know like if you're about to play a trick on the audience you have to like act in a certain way that right 
will be uh, delivering the punch. But, like, I don't know. I just think that I'm not making sense. I, 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 I found it completely different when I started really? acting. Well, because you were, like, as a comedian, you're you're totally looking at the crowd. I guess, that was, was yeah. it the fourth wall they say you're yeah, breaking? Yeah. yeah, you're totally, that. that is your whole fucking world. And then all of oh a, no, they are totally different. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you're acting, and it's like, especially like a comedy, it's like, okay, I'm the straight man here. I'm doing the setup. I got to lob this over the net, and then I can't look at the crew. I got to block them out, and I'm gonna have to deal with dead silence after a joke. And in my head, go, well, they're not allowed to laugh, so maybe this is killing. <laughs> so yeah, it's like in between takes. Yeah, I, I try to take a look, and, and I, you know, I'm always going like, "Is this go? Is this funny? Is this great?" And the people, yeah, but are, I, oh my god, it's unbelievable! It's unbelievable! It's no, just no. like you can't say that every time. If you no, say that yeah. every time, then I don't know what the fuck's. Well, that's, so, a, that's I think it's really, and I think acting is ridiculously underrated, where everybody thinks that they can do it because they see people go who aren't actors well, and I go can be a human. I'm a human. Well, yeah. they go and they play themselves though. Yeah, it's like oh, you know, go go play. Like my whole acting career, pretty much has been playing a jerk off from the Boston area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone that deep, but I'm saying like, you know, they'll take like a football player, stick him in a movie, and he plays a football player. They're like, oh, that guy was like really good. All right, he's better than most football players, but like, yeah. don't say like what that guy's doing is the same as like what Daniel Day Lewis and these these guys who like create like a whole fucking. Yeah. Like those guys who actually figure out a new walk. Like all my characters walk like me. Oh, yeah. Well, I also think that like someone like Will Ferrell, he's a great actor. Like people don't give him credit. Like even in those comedic roles, he's like he's like in character doing all this yeah. stuff. I mean, it's silly, but he's a great actor. I don't think people give- What's that movie? I always forget that one where he played was a drama and he, was on, he had all this stuff on his front lawn. He was going through a divorce. Oh, I don't know. I never saw it. Uh, he There's was... a lot of movies I haven't seen. Yeah. I get nervous when people are like, did you see the movie? I'm like, probably not. Yeah, probably not. I don't even know who anybody is at this point. There's too many, there's too many, I'm too old to try to to keep up with. I went to Iron Maiden Saturday night. That's where I'm at. Okay. And I went there and I saw all the people that I partied with back in the eighties, probably who brought their kids and those people older than me. It was actually fun, man. It was kind of like a heavy metal, like high school reunion. It is. (laughs) I, I go to concerts with my kids and it's. It's absurd. How old are your kids now? Six to 15. Oh, so okay. like the 15-year-olds, she's really into music. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to, we'll go here. And it's, What are you seeing, like 21 Pilots? 21 Pilots, yeah. uh, Billie Eilish, uh, Vampire Weekend. And, you know, it's it's fascinating. But I don't remember when, not that I went to concerts that much, but I don't remember people bringing kids to concerts, but I guess they always did. I don't remember parents walking their kids out to the bus or picking them up at school. It's like people are like, like, I don't know what, I can't tell if it was, we just didn't realize how many fucking creeps were out there. Yeah. Or that once you saw that there were this level of creeps, because there wasn't shows about creeps when we were growing up. And I think it kind of freaked everybody out. Plus, I also think that uh, social media kind of was like a, a, a crystal meth for creeps. Yeah. Where somebody who maybe wouldn't have acted on some impulses yeah. kind of dove in. Like me, I don't think I would have had a problem with booze as far as I got a little out of control. I'm taking a, you know, like a year off here. Like yeah. I, I don't, if I didn't have this fucking job, I don't think it happens. Like if I had like what a- What do you mean? It, it does, you, you wouldn't take a break then? 
you're saying. No, if I didn't, no, I wouldn't have had the free time to develop oh, yeah, a fucking yeah. problem. If I yes. actually had a real fucking job, even though I, you know, you work your ass off in this business, yeah. but there is like, it's so much of it is fun that you don't feel like you're working. But like, if I had just like a nine to five, yeah. you know, back in the day when I used to just fucking go out and just get plastered, yeah. it, it happened Friday night and it happened Saturday night. Yeah. And then that was it. I recovered. Yeah. And then Monday through Friday, I unloaded trucks. Yeah. And by Wednesday, I'd be like, oh, man, I'm getting fucking shit face Friday. <laughs> well, but know, but like I yeah. I just did not do it during the week. And yeah. as a comic. I mean, it's available. Yeah. But but, but I think it's kind of awesome. And I miss no, it. It's, it's, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is awesome. But it's also, you know, I don't think people understand that, you know, you can make the whether it's a crowd of 80 people or 250 people. You have to peak at, uh, you know, nine ten o'clock at night. Like so, your energy. I mean, that's where like Rogan. I'm like, so you do two shows and then you go running at seven. He goes, yeah, no, I do hot yoga and then I'm, and it's like so impressive because like for me, if I have to peak at ten o'clock at night, I'm not going to bed until three. Do you know what right. I mean? Like I need like. I need time, I, you know, I guess I could meditate and I could get there where I could fall asleep, but I'm kind of like, I did a show, I get to eat a burger now. Right. You know what I mean? I'm like- what, uh, So what is your booze? Is it food? Yeah, I would say it's food. I mean, there's a lot of demons. You know what I mean? I know, I got a I mean, I find is you put one up, one fire out, then another one starts. Absolutely. Because I fucking knocked out the booze. Yeah. It's on its back, fight's yeah. over. Getting carried out of the ring, and then somebody hands me a cigar, and now I've I fucking smoked too many cigars. Is you know it's but it's an so you my, know, my mother always used to say everything gum. in moderation is what she would yeah. say to me. It's just like I don't know how to fucking do that. I don't know how to do that. Well, so I think I, that's also some of our uh, the lifestyle we lead is like a lot of people that like enjoy cigars. They they can't you know if they work in an office they can't smoke a cigar all day. You know, but right. we don't do that. So it's like if you wanted to, yeah. But if that's why I had, I got the humid. I emptied the humidor. Right, I finished them. Yeah. But like, I'm not adding cigars to it. I just can't have it at home because and, it's just. I, I as I've said before in this podcast, it's like if there's a gallon of ice cream in the freezer, I'm gonna eat it. Oh, see, that's my- so like I just. Like I'm learning, I, I said you can't have the, you can't bring the devil home to your house. You got to keep it out of your fucking house. So it's a pain in the ass. Because at this point, you know, having a, I just got one kid, dude. So, I mean, just yeah. that enough is enough to make me so fucking tired. Like, I love a cigar, yeah. but I'm not getting in a fucking car and driving all the way. I am not doing that yeah, shit. Yeah. I'll do it tomorrow or whatever. And then it, I, then it, it, it gets more, uh, balanced. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of realizing that it's just, and then, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how, I, I would love to meet that person who's just like, I do, just everything I do is healthy and nothing, is leading me to a shorter life that I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing is slowly killing me. Yeah. What's your advice? Apples and water. <laughs> you know, it's like I eat too much broccoli. You never run into that person. Right. But, you know, like my whole thing I about love like eating, if it's done right. If it's done right, they're fucking delicious. If it has a lot of garlic, yeah, and some olive oil. But like I, ice cream, <laughs> but <laughs> my I you know the my kids I, you know it's not their fault at all. But like I never ate lunch, you know. But you have kids, they're like I'm hungry, and you're like all right, we're going to we'll get this, and then you're like all right, I guess I'll get one too. And right. they only eat the equivalent of bar food. 
so you're like, you're getting mac and cheese. All right, I'll get a mac and cheese. You know, you yeah. end up eating this crap that if you're a single guy, you're like, and you want to get in shape, you're not going to have ice cream or candy. Like, by the way, as you get to like Halloween's coming up, it's like, I don't, you know, I when I was in my 30s, I didn't have candy in my house. Do you know what I mean? Do people who have fucking candy in their house, you ever go to somebody's house and they just got a big bowl of candy there? Yeah. It's just like, how do you not just stuff your fa- I would just be stuffing that shit down my fucking gullet. Oh, I saw, I, another day, like I, I mentioned to somebody that I like those M&Ms with the almonds. Yeah. And this person is a joke because I made fun of it on my podcast yeah. where they the M&Ms in the, over in the past few years came out with that. They called it family size. Oh, yeah. Or long flight and I want to cry, whatever you want to fucking call it. And you know you're eating it yourself. So they bought me that bag. So the first two nights I had five. I counted five. And then the third night I finished the bag. Well, it was it. It was inevitable that that was going to happen. So some of it's metabolism too, right? Like was your dad or is your dad a big guy? Because you don't seem like a big guy. Or do you have to worry about that? No, I absolutely do. I eat really well. Oh, you did? And I got a nutritionist, and I stopped boozing, and I figured out how to eat. But I'm also at an age where, like, that M&M bag fucks you up for, like, four days. Four isn't days. That, it just, isn't it just, that insane? It's, it's not fair. It's like my dad used it to isn't drink fair a half that, a bottle like, of scotch a, a, a night. And if, like, I have two beers, I'm like, the next day, I'm like, oh, jeez, I might, I need a nap. Yeah. You know? It's, uh... A bag of broccoli the size of a bag of M&M's should do the exact same thing. that A bag of broccoli should do the exact same thing a bag of M&M's does, and it doesn't. No. Like the next day, I fucking, I look like I'm in my second trimester. I, I look like I'm carrying twins. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, and it's, it used to be, it used to, I don't know. You know, it's also, I'm, I'm so grateful for where I am in my career, but I'm like, when I had no career, I had a lot more time to work out. Do you know what I mean? I like you think about all the shit you could have got done. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Let's I found go- that mother second I had a kid. I was like, wow, man, I never did this. I never did. Well, I don't know. Once you have a kid, though, like it's so much fun being around them. But there's definitely, you know, I grew up with that. You don't waste food thing. So yeah. when she doesn't eat it, I I feel like I gotta eat. I gotta finish it. So that's just. I don't know. That's stuff that you... But this is stuff we're not supposed to be talking about. Because, guys, you know, you can be in any shape you want. You're just going to get fucking, you know, just... I'm just saying what feminists yeah. say. Yeah. You know, that cartoon version of the guys. That, that's one of my favorite... It is becoming one of my favorite things that I hear feminists say. Which is what? Well, if a woman does it, she's a bitch. If a guy does it, the guys are like, oh, I respect you. Let's give you a corner office. And it's like... Nobody likes getting treated like shit. Like when you do that in the military, your own men will kill you. They actually have a slang term. Was it frag? We frag the guy or something like that. Yeah. No one wants to be treated like shit. Yeah, it's it's an interest. Like the you know we talk about like how the things have changed. You know, like stand up comedy. The audience is educated now, and sort of. Well, the, I think I would say I uh, if you're not in New York and L.A. New York and L.A. with like the fucking the the which are like the ground zero of this whole new oh oh i gotta yeah. i gotta complain i gotta cry on fucking instagram about how my feelings were hurt they're like i don't know what they're doing but i feel like it's like the way like la and, and new york are on the cutting edge of fashion and all this yeah. shit they're also on the cutting edge i think of of like uh new ways of behaving but it's just i don't understand it 
when I go, uh, especially in New York, dude, I actually think they're worse than New York. Really? Oh my god! See, I always feel maybe like... it's a comfort level thing. But like, first of all, New yeah, York, no, some it, of it New York, they, they got rid of everybody. Stage. Everybody's gone. New York's yeah. in New York City. It's like a giant glass tower now. Yeah, it is. A you know, it is like the safest place to raise kids, which is where I live. Oh, it's ridiculous! But, you could skip down the street with a fucking hula hoop. When I when I first came to ninety five, there was like all of these areas. Don't go to Alphabet City. Don't fucking go past this street. Don't go to the Fashion District because uh, uh, Caroline's was down there back then. Yeah, Don't yeah. go down there oh, yeah. past this certain hour because once those shops close up. Yeah. All there is is that club so and so just got got you know, mugged you, the other week. Yeah. If you take a if you took a subway at 2 a.m., people would be like that's stupid. Why yeah. are you taking a subway at 2 a.m.? But um what, which was bad. It shouldn't have been like that. No city right. should be like that. Then they 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 fucking overcorrected it now where I I I swear to god there's some nights I go up in New York it's like I would literally get more laughs on a fucking cruise ship. Yeah. You know it's 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 I don't know, you know, we're both these pasty guys, but like I feel as though, like, this is going to sound uh, really kind of arrogant, but, like, I'm, like, the white guy. You know, like, there's, like, I'm a white guy. I have, like, five kids. I'm, like, got the dad bod. I'm balding. I've got, you know, I go to church. You know, it's, like, You got all, all the tools things. in the toolbox, and my so, friend. Like, there's always been this thing as a white guy. You understand the, the crimes of white men. And, you know, like slavery, you know, the genocide of, of Native Americans, just horrible things. Plastic. But I feel... <laughs> the, Plastics, the environment. But, but like, <laughs> I feel as though, like, in this day and age, it's, it's like, the, there's a lot more fingers pointed at white men like white men but you know who's doing it though you know who's doing it though is white women i know it's fucking hilarious it's fucking hilarious i find non-white people what they're bitching about cool and makes sense but fucking oh my god the the genius of how they divorced themselves from what they they were a part of is it's just it's fucking the most brilliant thing ever they get to swing their leg over out of their Lexus SUV <laughs> onto the oppressed side. It's just the fucking great. I mean, you, you, you know, it's like back when Derek Jeter was playing. He would always beat the fucking Red Sox with it. And, and, and it's just why you just have to applaud it. Yeah. I just compared white feminist women to Derek Jeter. My apologies to any baseball fans or Yankee fans out there. Well, I, I, I went th- big there. I went I big. Think, I think there's, you know, like. There's uh, sometimes there's this talk of white men. Look, I remember when I moved to. I New think York you get way 90s. more shit than I do because I don't. I don't. I don't get the white guy thing a lot. I just get like you're a fucking misogynistic piece of bald fucking red shit. That's what I get. I don't get a lot of. But I remember, hey, white guy, thanks for slavery. New, when I moved to New York City in like the in the early '90s, I remember like there was this general consensus of like oh those southern people they're all racist and i'm like you're generalizing there like that's like you're doing Uh, what you're accusing them of and i feel as though there is this believe me i mean talk about getting in trouble it's like i'm not doing the uh it's a poor white guy you know oh it's so hard oh Oh, the people are already saying that you know what i mean but like you're you're just supposed to say that you were born (laughs) on a yacht and everything was fucking easy no but it is (laughs) it's like you know we should aspire to be more sensitive in, you know, by the way, I believe I don't, comedy. I don't believe no, that. I know, but like, I believe that comedians, 
we, you know, like these boundaries, liberty's always changing. The concept of liberty is changing. But like there is something about uh, this, you know, I don't know. I just feel like there is this siege mentality where there, you know, and I don't even want to get in this conversation of cancer you keep, culture. You keep saying that, but you're going right down that fucking road. Where, Listen, dude, can I be honest with you? Yeah. Like it's all self-serving. Yeah. It really is. For as much as people are acting like they're progressive and they care, for the most part, people are still complaining about themselves and their own lives. It's it's what makes us human. And uh and by- I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't legitimate complaints out there, but this fucking thing now where you just go out and you just start destroying people. Going back into somebody's like history. All right, not yeah. going to name names here, but to go back in somebody's fucking history and just try to find something bad they did is not an accurate portrayal of that person. You're yeah. supposed to look at all the evidence and then weigh it. So then the bad thing and be like, all right, was this abnormal? Was this kind of standard? Or is this who this fucking person is? To just go back. I mean, they're human beings. Jesus Christ, you could fucking go back with anybody Um, and then I also, I feel like there's like a sort of a fucking joy that people get out of seeing somebody gonna get something and then they fuck it up and don't get it because I think uh, that's the story. That's most people's stories. Most people like myself got something and fucked it up. I did that with women a zillion times. I did that with jobs. I did it in this business. There's a reason I didn't make it till my late (laughs) forties. I mean, I was fucking up right and left, just learning. And it's like to just, I don't know. I really believe, though, like I wish the the person that outs the person should also have their life gone back 15 fucking years. And let's see, let's find, let's define you on the one bad thing and we'll cancel the both of you. How about that? And plus, then I don't get it. It's like, okay, so this person can't do this show, but they can still do stand-up. But this guy can't do stand-up. But this other guy did something worse than this guy. He can start doing stand-up because he's not good at stand-up. Like, there's no fucking rhyme or reason. It's just like, no, you just want somebody- this reporter who said this thing continue to be a reporter? Right. It's And comedian- Well, this this woman who did this shit, that if a guy did it, would have got me too'd, but because she's a woman, she can laugh it off. And then fucking continue fucking working or or get shit for a day and a half and then continue directing or whatever. I mean, it's like really just like swerving all over the fucking double lines and stuff. And I would say the weird part about all of this is just the amount of times you want to say something and you're just like, well, it's not, it's not fucking worth it. Like wh- where is this going to get me? Because all it's going to do is then put you in the fray and a bunch of douchebags who act like they give a fuck are just going to send the emoji of the guy eating the popcorn really fast, you know, that meme oh, or whatever. Yeah, the fuck. Yeah, That's yeah. all they do, which is like, yeah, hey, let's see if you just fucked up your career because, you know, nobody really... I, I didn't want to talk about this, dude. I wanted to talk all about right, how great right. your fucking special oh, was. Thanks. But this is what it's like, though, putting out a special. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is now. Oh, I... I you you know, sit there, what you do is you bunker down for a week and it's like, all right, yeah, still have a career. Well, by the way, in my special, there was... Uh, I had this material about New Zealand where about the Maori people that they weren't the first people in New Zealand. And by the way, I've been corrected. Uh-huh. But so it's like the Maori people were the first ones there. I had this joke about it. And uh, it wasn't a joke. It was this observation about how um, it was, you know, and the thing is, it's like I got it wrong. And so I got it wrong 
And so what was, <laughs> what was, what, and it's a joke. I, I, you know, it's like. No, I'm just laughing, thinking but, of this but, shit that you but got. But so like. And then all the people who would then comment, who had never even heard of those people, no. would then act like they are experts on it. And how could you? Well, here's, here's what. How could you, Jim Here's Gaffigan? Here's the thing. And the thing is, is that it is a, what I was saying is what people have communicated to me numerous times is that I held up a colonial myth or a right-wing myth about the Maoris and the Marioris. I didn't know. And I didn't this material. I would have just this. been like, is that what I did? And so like the thing is, is like, <laughs> I don't know either like, one of those people. You're they're They're saying you are propagating this myth. And I'm like, but I'm like a dumb American guy. Yeah, you're you're a victim. You're a victim of the myth, because from day one they tell you the myth, and then you think it's fucking, you think it's fucking right, and then and then and then yeah, and then you spew it out, and then you were supposed to be the guy who, who fucking, uh, you know, you're supposed to read a people's history of the United States, memorize it, and then do that globally before you can yeah. go out and and start dropping references and shit. So, I don't know. It's fast. I, I feel like we're feeding the fire by talking about it this okay, much, right, but right. it is what it is. All right, so let's talk about this. Why is it that, uh, you know, I I love stand-up so much, and it is so incredibly rewarding that uh, coming up, did you imagine that you would be, you know, I don't know what special you're on, but like that you would be no. doing it like this? I didn't think no. I would be doing it like no, this. No, when I was in Vegas, I said to my wife before I went downstairs to go do this show, I go, can you fucking believe this is my life? Right. No, that that will never go away. I still can't believe I can come down to the comedy store and get on stage or go to the comic strip yeah. or that SD knows who I am. All of that shit just seemed like, you know, when you because you first go there and you so get your fucking fucking ass handed to you yeah you're just sitting there like i'll never forget greg fitzsimmons bringing me i always tell this bringing me around to the clubs and i remember him going like yeah come on up to the comic strip tonight he goes i got a 9 15 at the strip and i remember sitting in you know that that side stair yeah. area yeah you know it was like a half filled room yeah. and watching him and i remember just sitting there looking at him before he went up and just thinking like greg fitzsimmons has a 9 15 at the strip it right. was just like and i remember thinking like does he realize how awesome that is yeah that Lucian, rest his soul, knows who he is, and he leaves the veils, and they give him stage time. Like, to this day, that's still, um, yeah. I mean, when we started, the dream was to somehow get on something yeah, to get somebody to know you, and then maybe you could you could sell out an improv. Yeah. Like, that was, I remember, like, all- There was no There was, like, two or three, two or three, like, Cosby, Carlin- uh, uh, Joan Rivers. It was a handful Stephen of people. Stephen Wright could do it if he wanted. We're, we're yeah. doing th we're doing yeah. theaters, but yeah. everybody else, all the other big comics that I love, I saw them at either Nick's Comedy Stop or the Comedy Connection down in Faneuil Hall in Boston. Yeah, I saw, I saw, I thought I saw Damon Wayans, uh, during In Living Color. Mm. I saw him at the Comedy Connection in Boston. It was fucking insane. Yeah. To be, even though I had, I was, and that was at I was the peak of in living color. Yeah, and I was yeah. sitting at the back, and it was a four hundred, like seat club, just yeah. to be that close to somebody that famous. And now, if like I don't even know if it's possible to have a show as big as that, because there's just so much shit to watch. Yeah. But if you could ever get the the eyeballs that that show had combined with social media, 
I mean, he, you know, it's like you, you, you could, you could, I don't know where you would play. You, we'd yeah. all be doing fucking Kevin Hart. Uh, what do you play? The boy, the yeah, fucking he, Eagles play. <laughs> he did. Didn't he do two of them? I don't know if that's even true. I think he did it in the round. <laughs> he stood on the NFL <laughs> logo and just fucking unbelievable. It is. It is. Uh, it's. But I mean, I, I think didn't... that's the balance. I think that's why this is happening because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. The only thing that balances you out is this ridiculous fucking shit coming at you like is uh, who's going to try to fucking end this fun yeah that i earned yeah i took the chance i could have ended up never getting off the fucking futon so maybe that's the healthy way to look at it but, is, but you know what it is like i yeah. hate that that you know we we delved so much into this in a way yeah. but the bottom line is you just put out a special and i just put out a special and like i yeah. remember like laughing you know uh this past week when my special first came out they're going like you know, Nia going like, you know, are you enjoying this? It's like, it's kind of hard to with these fucking questions. Dude, I had a guy fucking interview me. He goes, now don't get, don't get weirded out by these questions. I enjoyed your special. Yeah. And then just, it was just one. <laughs> you seem to be willing to uh, listen in your personal life. You'll change. But on stage, you don't seem yeah. like totally being like, well, why are you so empathetic off stage? I know where the fuck that's going. And then when yeah. I finally said to the guy, I go, dude, this feels like a whole gotcha like yeah. uh interview he like giggled he goes no no it isn't and then i just heard him going like like typing yeah. on his keyboard i know what he's writing bill burr bristled you know they do that shit bristled at the question yeah it's like no dude you this guy the entire fucking interview never brought up like like anything about like what most of the special was was me working on myself me yeah. embarrassed that i have a temper yeah. Me feeling the responsibility now that I have a kid, I can't pass this demon on to her. Yeah, having yeah. to get rid of the family dog that yeah. I loved and dealing with that loss and, and and how as a guy you can't cry. All of that was also in there. All they focused on was the fucking, you know, the you know, a couple two, three bullshit jokes up front. It's... The fucking special ends, I'm hugging my daughter and they still they still were just like, this current comedy climate. So yeah. four hours of that shit, my wife's going like, aren't you enjoying it? It's like, I feel like I'm on fucking Meet the Press. And then about five days into <laughs> it, I just started laughing. I go, do you realize how fuck? I, I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I just told some jokes. There it's is, fucked. You know, I think, and you'd agree, I hopefully you'd agree with this. I don't think anyone has been able to figure out how to write about stand-up in the media. Like, I think that... There was one guy did a review. He was some right-wing guy. Yeah. He wrote this fucking review. I was like, this guy totally got the special. Because <laughs> he was even like, hey, trash Trump a couple of times. But, you know, you got to be able to laugh at yourself. He totally got... He fucking... The only, and the only time in the history of my career, this fucking oh, guy, wanna... just he just... Yeah. He got it. He understood what I was talking about, what I was doing, the the uh, where my heart was at when I was doing it. 100% Here's, here, got let me, it. Let me bring something up that I think is really important. Like being 90s comics, the task was to make a, any room laugh, to do the job and to make people laugh. Right. It wasn't picking and choosing. And I think that people, like I like, th I like having friends with different opinions. I, I really like that. I, you know, but like, I think that sometimes in this environment, you shouldn't be making people laugh that you have different political opinions. Like there is that type of orthodoxy 
that is like you shouldn't make people laugh that are that maybe you know um are uh kind of like you know against equal rights for gay people do you know what i mean you shouldn't like they don't like how I, would you know that just going out on stage are you supposed to I'm ju- you just said that like yeah you wouldn't know that but like the whole thing is is like someone that has right wing views that writes a review you find that interesting there are people that are like oh right wing people like it then he must be right wing do you know what i mean that is that i'm not kidding <laughs> no. that no, is do you know thinking. something right wing people that hate my act say that I'm a fucking I've turned into this liberal pussy and yeah. and blah 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 and all of this fucking shit and and you know, your wife's got your balls in her purse and you know I go back yeah. to 5 years ago you were funnier then yeah. and then left wing people you fucking Trump they think I voted for Trump it's yeah. fucking hilarious I just, I wish yeah. I could just copy and paste all of them and then just be like this is what you guys this is why as comics you can't fucking listen to these people because no. it's 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 like what you said and then it goes into their ear holes, and then it's cut with their whole life experience, and then they spew it out. Um, dude, this guy had this whole fucking conspiracy theory because I had this this whole chunk that I did uh, making fun of the whole support the troops thing, right? Yeah. And I had it in the special, and we ended up taking it out because the special was just simply too long. And then the night of the special, well, I'll tell you his conspiracy theory first, yeah. which, which I should have done. He was just going, where the fuck was that? You fucking pussied out because it came out on September 10th. He had this whole fucking thing, like this whole thing. It's like, first of all, we took that out before we even knew what the date was. And we took it out and I didn't want to take it out. But Mike was going, I'm telling you, man, ever this whole special, it's about you. And this thing is just a 15 minute aside. That's an observation. Mm -hmm. He goes, it's a great joke, but I just don't think it fits in the theme of the special. And I was like, no, man, I want to have it where I'm fucking going at everybody, you know, with that thing. And then I, I, you know, do the shit about me being a dad. And he goes, let me just take it out and then watch it. And I, I fucking sat down and I watched it. And the fucking special just flew. Yeah. And it flew by. And and also the, the, the second night, my favorite of the two shows, when I did the bit, it didn't work as well. Yeah, and I was like, well, no, you know what happened was the IRA made a bunch of bomb threats or something like that. So me bringing up like terrorism and blah, yeah. blah, it just had a weird vibe. And of course, nobody fucking told me because they never tell the fucking person who could have turned it around. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Give me all the information. You're in London. Yeah. 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 So they didn't. So it went on. It didn't even do that well. And I also recorded my act. For a vinyl release that I'm going to do, this old school, because I'm a nerd, this double vinyl yeah. thing that I want to do, and it's going to be on there. So then it just becomes like a cool B-side type thing. Yeah. So it's fine. But just watching people the way they just, like, I like that, and you didn't do that. that you know, you didn't do it. Then they just, when I read it, I laughed, and I was like, what the fuck? But then I had to be honest with myself, like, I've done that. I do that. Like, something doesn't work out. And then I just come up with the conspiracy theory because I'm pissed. Yeah. I do stop short of actually writing the person yeah. <laughs> that I'm pissed off I, at. I get, I get my, you know, people. My manager gets emails all, all the time where people will be, uh, you know, like I was in this movie Being Frank where I played someone with two that had two families, and people were furious. They're like, "How dare you!" Present yourself as someone who's married with children, and you're portraying someone with two families. It's called acting. 
and obviously, right? And it's like these people are going to be but that, freaked that's, out but that's when only they see like, American Dreamer. My God! But you only—that's only like one or two people, right? That's the thing you got to kind of keep. You know, it's. Uh, I think most people understand. I, I no, no, and Todd Glass, who, who he's like, because he'll open for me here and there, and he's always like, "There you are, purifying the base." You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm sure we yeah. unconsciously do it. It's like, you know, because it's also. I think. Oh, I get it. Is, By making that choice, you're going to get rid of these people. You know, they should. They, they move they on. Sh- if they're offended by that, they shouldn't be on the train anyway. Do you know what I mean? If right. they think that like I'm only going to act in roles that are, you know, well, the best roles is playing an asshole. Uh, absolutely, or or some complex guy. And, and how fascinating is like somebody that does that like how the fuck would you like it's absurd yeah and it was relatively common i mean yeah what the fuck are you saying to yourself as you're driving from one house to the other from one family to the other what is oh god i I gotta choose man i gotta we we did q a's and there was always somebody in the q a that was like yeah there was somebody in our town that had his dad. They found out later on his dad had another family. At the same time, I'm not talking about like they get divorced and they have another. Well, family. back in the day before social media, yeah, this is could, the thing you, you could, could pull it off. You could you could have another family a couple of towns over. Yeah, and you just do the. I'm a traveling salesman. Yeah. I wonder, like, and what do you do? Stay at the other house until they become annoying and be like, ah, I'm gonna go back to this other one. Yeah, it's weird. So what, now what, like for acting roles, what would you, like, what do you look for in an acting role? Because obviously your schedule is like me. It to be offered. (laughs) No, but, (laughs) no, but like some of it is. Bill, you want to do this? Yeah. If you're going to offer it, you're going to put me in it. I'll fucking do it. you're not going to go to, you know, you've got a daughter, you're touring, you know. No, no, no. You're in a, a, you know, relationship. Well, that's all new. That's all new. Up until when my daughter was born, it was just basically anybody who would give me acting work. I would take but it now because you, I wanted to break into it because I, I enjoyed it and I, I yeah. loved, you know, all these movies growing up and all these TV shows and like, uh, so then it, it now it's it's become, yeah, if I can't bring my, if it's a substantial shoot and yeah. it's not, and I'm not going to see my kid, there's no fucking, because there's no way I'm going to be on my deathbed going, hey, remember the time I played that fucking, yeah. you know, ice cream man? Yeah. That was worth not seeing my kid for two months. There's no, there's, yeah. I can't. There's no fucking way uh, I, I, I can, I'm ever going to do that, which is why I feel lucky being a comedian because yeah. I can say, I can't say no to that and just be like, I, 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 I keep it to like two stand-up dates a month. Two stand like two weekends? Or two what? weekends, yeah, like yeah. A, a Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday. That's how I usually do it. Just that. Just that. And then, you know, I try to fly out the day of and then I try to come back. And then what kills me is, you know, you come back and you can see they they've changed a little bit and yeah. but like I just try to justify it going like I I can spend way more time with her than I could if I had like a nine to five. Oh I, yeah, yeah. So I, um, my brothers they like can't, this morning they we can't were eat we, dinner with their yeah, kids. We were coloring, yeah. you know. The other day, you know, I I take her on, you know. Choo choo train pony place I go to. There's these fucking. Uh, you know, there's all these different activities, dance classes, and all that type of shit. I I just try to be uh, like it's basically she has the morning and then she has her afternoon nap and then yeah. she has the night. So one of those quadrants, yeah, 
you know, either the morning time, if I didn't hang with her in the morning, then I'm going home to hang with her in the evening and vice versa. That's just basically, I've made that promise to myself because I'm so sick of all these fucking guys come up to me and go, dude, it goes by so fast, man. Yeah, yeah. Don't fucking miss it, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, this guy is like, it's like he got just got off some fucking ghost ship. Yeah. I don't want to have that look on my face. Yeah. And then I know guys that have been totally involved with their kids and love them, and then they go through this ridiculous depression when they move out and yeah. stuff. So that's another thing that, like, in this weird way, it's it's like uh, it's like you're signing up for this 18 year roommate. Oh yeah. And and then they're moving out, and at 18, can't wait to get the fuck away from you. Yeah. Even if you did a good job. Yeah. Because and I remember being 18 and just I remember the, the first time when I I was like. When I first moved to New York, because I was living on my own, and then I had to move back home to finish college, and I just forgot what it was like, and I moved to New York. I was like 27 years old, and I remember that first night hanging down at the comic strip and Lucian being yeah. like, I already have enough white guys. I don't know who you are. <laughs> Fuck you and your dream. Um, I remember sitting there thinking like, like wow, I, I, I can go to home whenever I want. I can come home in any state that I want. I can bring yeah. some chick home. All of this yeah. fucking shit. It was just like, wow, this is crazy. And that's like, kids are going to want that at some point. So I'm just trying. I just hope my, uh, you know, my big thing is I, I want to be, as a dad, I want to be approachable. And I and I want, even though I know I'm going to make mistakes, I just really want to be communicating with my kid and and really say, hey, I'm sorry. Like I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. You were right. You're yeah. right. I'm gonna work on that because it's to to constantly have that sort of open communication, closure. My kid's not afraid of me. Respects me, but's not afraid of me. Um, I think is where a lot of my anger came from. Was just growing up, and and it was just like you know, sit down and shut the fuck up. Every adult yeah. was that. Yeah. This is the class. This is how we're teaching it. Yeah. What about sit down and shut the fuck up? Yeah. Yeah, but go down to the fucking office. <laughs> I mean, everything was just go like- Go down to the office. Shut Everybody. the fuck up. The whole fucking thing was shut the fuck up. Do you used to get, like, I remember in middle school being sent to the office and they would, they would you would get paddled. Uh, my mother did that, but uh, no, not at school. But I, I remember there was a guy fucking, I got detention- yeah. I'm trying to do this so this piece of shit doesn't get in trouble because he is a piece of shit, but I still, I just, just how I'm brought up, and I don't want to yeah. fucking rat anybody out. Yeah. There was a guy, and he had, he was a teacher, and he fucking, it was after school, and he had another commitment. So he locked me in his office with the light out, and there was no windows. It was a windowless room, and I was just in there while he handled what he had to handle, and he came back like fucking two hours later. And I'm such an idiot. I should have walked out and said, all right, I'm getting an A. No, an A plus is what I'm yeah. getting because you just locked me in there for two hours. If there was a fight, you just put my life in jeopardy. We will sue this school and blah, blah. If I was like fucking like, I never even How thought- How old were you at the time? Um, 23. No. no old- <laughs> <laughs> 23, my freshman year of college. Um, I, I forget. I was, I was, I was a teenager- I was definitely a teenager, and it was like, uh, and you know, when other kids knew that he did it and stuff, and they all gave me shit. It was, you know, it was kind of funny, kind of humiliating, like a lot of shit back yeah. then. But like, there was just a lot of, uh, 
Yeah, they like that. That's sort of still hitting kids. Was Midwest and the South? They had take. Yeah. They had gotten rid of that on yeah. the East. We, we live near oceans. We're just naturally smarter, breathing that salt air. I don't know what it is, you guys. You believe what you want. I'll yeah. stick with, with the truth. With, with your yeah. uh, with your fresh water. <laughs> <laughs> fresh water. Yeah, Boston. There's no violence in New England. Oh, not at all. Yeah, no. It's, that's it's, that's it's that's where people minded. don't fight. Um, but um. You know, I sometimes think, you know, here and you hearing you talk about being a dad and it's such a great observation about your daughter like she hasn't met you in your special and stuff like that. No, I'm terrified to show her who I am. But some of it is and I feel, you know, my dad was uh, you know, you know, very much a character. Uh, <laughs> but uh I love that word. But it He's was He's quite the character. That's the best <laughs> you know, way. That's the best way. He was quite a character. But I sometimes think and I've done work on myself and, you know, been in therapy and discussed stuff. And I sometimes think it's like how much of it, and I don't know your, your story only from your act, but like the mythology, because every now and then I'll get an email, like I did this CBS Sunday piece and somebody who was friends with my parents sent an email and, or like I'll run into someone and they're like, your dad was so nice to me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't remember him being nice to me, but right. like. And some of it is because we are creative people. Like for me, I'm just talking about me. Like, did I create this thing? And I also, you know, I have a 13 year old son and it's like he, you know, his attitude is generally like these people are just ruining my life, you know, like the parents. Right. Uh, and so it's like how much of that, like I look at him and I'm like, did I create this? Cause my dad was definitely a hard ass and, uh, you know, I would say both. The shit happened. Some of it's and true. And then also you had a, the thing that parents didn't understand back then, and maybe a lot of them don't understand, is you have to understand when you have a kid that you are their world. Yeah. So if if you're flipping out, it's like Armageddon emotionally to them. Yeah. Especially when they're super young. They can't like process, you, they don't know how to break down Somebody going like, oh, this guy is like, my daughter would never be able to look at me and go, at oh, her he's, age. Fr oh. he's frustrated because he's in the entertainment industry. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> he's frustrated because he doesn't get acknowledged <laughs> for his creativity. And no, more like he's, this is just some leftover childhood stuff because yeah. he wasn't listened to. So he automatically yeah. thinks he's not going to be listened to. So he starts flipping out over things that don't matter. They don't, all they hear is yelling. And it, and it can, dude, it can literally cause like physical ailments, like stomach yeah. issues. Like, you know, I had like fucking alopecia for a while, like, uh, uh just cause I would just let stress build up in me and there was no way to communicate it when I was a kid. And it would just fucking like, you know, it's, it's horrible what, when, when kids grow up in like, and this is the thing now, now that I'm this age and now I have a, uh, uh, I'm not shitting on my parents. My parents were great. Yeah. It's just the time. I'm just talking overall the time that I grew up in. Yeah. It was just like bullying was wide open just yeah. everything was fucking wide open you didn't know what the fuck was gonna happen and th there was none of this like you know bully beatdown shows <laughs> some martial yeah. artist comes in and kicks the fuck out of the kid taking you yeah. your fucking i don't know your, your desserts at, 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 at high school it was just like a real um and i and i also think part of it was my fault the way i was wired where there was so much shit that seemed like a mountain in my life and it wasn't it was just stepping up on a curb but, I, but the way I viewed it, it was it was impossible well, to I, get over or, or get around. And it's like yeah. I feel like my kid's gonna have get enough of that 
from other kids at school that I want her to come home and and feel like uh, like I that she can chill and yeah. that like if she and if she has like an issue with me or an issue with something I'm doing that she can like I feel like if I can do that. If yeah. I can push the rock that far up the fucking hill in my family tree that I, I will uh, hopefully achieve. But like uh, she's at a really cool age and I just can't wait for her to get to an age where she can understand what I'm saying as far as how much I love her. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. Right, right. And like the next, I don't know, she's two and a half or whatever. So maybe like in another year. What if she said she wanted to be a comedian? What would you say? say all right, say she's 12 and she wants to be a comedian. What do you say to that? She's twelve, yeah. Whatever you want to do. You want to be an astronaut. You want to be an astronaut comedian. But like you, you know, the the you know, uh, again, I'm not saying it's like oh, it's hard. I'm just saying we're the lucky ones, right? We make a, a decent living doing this. We we get the creative fulfillment. It's like there's a lot of people yeah, that are really a, funny, but there's that, also a ton of people that started in stand up and it just the, and then they ended it, up being writers and stuff like that, directors and yeah. and showrunners, and it leads to all of this wonderful stuff so right. i would never uh but there are talented people that you know because it's some of it is show business and they can't you know uh it's you know it's no, i don't just, mean yes I, I sucked at the business for a long time it's just kind of you're like i mean i still feel like there's you know it's like i'm good at kissing ass here and there but like there's there's like grand schmoozing. Like I imagine there's parties where people are meeting each other and I'm like, I wouldn't. You no, know. you know what it is? Is when you keep working your way up, then you got to get into golf. And then in golf you meet. And then when you meet those, there's there's an art to it. And you get business cards that whatever the fuck they do now, they touch <laughs> phones. And then, and then you just keep working your way up. And then eventually you meet the private jet guy. And then you're in that world. And then you, you're, you're flying private and then you're going to rub elbows with billionaires. So you just move up like the social ladder and you have all like these fucking contacts. Me being a complete, like, first of all, I'm pasty. I can't play golf. No, I don't like golf. I, I can't stand it. I like it if, I, if I'm, if I like it for like four holes. It's funny to me. Yeah. And just going up there. And I love that I can hit it way farther than I could ever hit a baseball. So yeah. I enjoy that aspect of it. I don't give a fuck that it went into the taller grass. Yeah. And now what am I going to do? I respect the game. Um but like I like to I think it's a it's a great thing. When I see it on TV it makes me miss drinking. <laughs> <laughs> but there is cuz there's just, just something funny about watching it and getting shit-faced. Like there's certain games that like you just go to and it's like I'm going to get drunk and watch this shit. And that's like a great one. Like that's like if there was uh like in my dream house I could actually smoke a yeah. cigar in the house. If I could just sit there, if I had no responsibilities. So what do you go outside? Uh yeah. No, I go outside on the porch. But now of course now the last couple of years it's been human out here and there's these fucking psycho level mosquitoes out here that right. li- literally bite through your fucking clothes. Oh my so God. I so yeah, so I I just kind of stick to like cigar bars or shit. And here, yeah. you know, I I didn't say earlier when you mentioned that you just did a set. We're recording here at the uh, at the comedy store, so that's yeah. why you were mentioned that you just did a yeah. set. I haven't put a comedy club in the in the house here. There you go. Um, so I think, but by the way, I think that golf uh, is something that it doesn't look 
I mean, I joke, you know, I would say, like, I don't want to get up early. I don't want to walk around. I just have to keep applying sunscreen, you know. It's like I just hear these horror stories of, like, you get stuck with someone you don't like, and then you have to play golf with them for, like, 18 holes. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, which can it take upwards of five hours, four hours or something if you, people stink. But, I, you know... I, I always feel I hate the pressure too because I suck, and when there's people behind me, I'm too fucking courteous. I'm just go ahead, hit through, hit through. And at some yeah. point, I'm just like, can we just pick the ball up and just fucking get to wherever the beer is? Can we just get out of here? Yeah, it just seems like. I but I do love the game, and like, uh, like my favorite player of all time is John Daly because he combined. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. two of the things I like the most, sports and drinking. <laughs> you were talking about drinking. And, like, yeah. Because you're not like, doing it, so it's like it's this romantic thing. But you obviously- no, it's tremendous. But you in feel another so much life, better, right? In another, not really. I mean, I feel all right. I mean, in another life, yeah, I would love to be that writer- that drinks himself to death. Oh yeah, just bangs beautiful women and fucks up Bukowski, the relationship. Right? Yeah, just yeah, Ernest yeah. Hemingway and just have your fucking. Uh, I I always whenever I go to whenever I've gone to France, there's there's a uh, there's a, a fucking uh, what do you call it? A, a cafe yeah. where he used to drink. So I always go there and I just sit there during the day, and I get the uh, was it uh, sixteen sixty four. Yeah, that's a good. I, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Get one of those fucking thing, and then yeah, Lemem shows. That just means more of the same or something like that. I don't even can't remember what it means. They just keep bringing them to me, and I just sit there and just watch the people going by, and yeah. just think to myself like, you know, you have the fantasy of what it's like to drink yourself to death. You just like yeah, in this in this city, <laughs> this <laughs> it would, would be, be romantic. The, this would be yeah, it'd be the place. You know, there is, but like also look. some pouty lip French chick. Like they're coming in, over in every my night. Family, like just sitting there with there, your fucking like typewriter. When we started, like you know, there were open mics. Like New York City, there was bars, like in Hell's Kitchen. You would go in there at like four p.m. and you're like, Have "These guys been here all day," and they, you know, like there's yeah. bar people, and so there is this bar culture. Like I think a couple generations back, there was definitely, you know relatives of mine that got done with work and went to the bar and the kids go and get dad he's at the bar you know like it was a thing yeah you know what i mean so that's like, jack klugman's character on the yard couple he was yeah. a sports writer and he smoked a cigar and he had that cigar in his mouth when he was typing yeah i look back i did not as a kid i didn't relate to it, but now yeah. as an adult going he's got the hat on backwards and he likes going to the track yeah. i'm like this fucking guy like i think he did all right even though he's living with felix and he's driving him nuts. Yeah. He's probably got a couple of kids. He probably sees him. He's probably the cool dad. Yeah. I don't know. It is weird. I always loved the, I didn't, you know, because I was young. I didn't know what the odd couple was, but I just remember looking at, oh, New York City, that looks amazing. Yeah. You got to, you, you, I'm telling you, I've been watching me TV. Yeah. And you go back and some of the like brutally flawed characters on purpose that they met. Like I used to always watch the Rockford Files when I was yeah. a kid. Oh, yeah. I never realized like I came back and I start watching it again. You know, when it's on yeah. me TV and shit, the reruns. And I never realized like. Did he live in a trailer park? Yes. How yeah. fucked up his. Because he was just this cool guy in the, in yeah. the Trans Am. Yeah. The Firebird. Sorry. He had a yeah. Firebird. And. And he was just getting into fights, and he was always losing fights. But yeah, yeah, he lived on the beach in a trailer. He was like forty years old. He wasn't married, which was ancient back then. His he was whole, a detective. Yeah, he, yeah, he was a private. His whole personal life was an absolute 
fucking mess. And the only thing he was good at was this private investigating shit. Yeah. And he'd always end up getting his ass kicked. And yeah. he didn't have, I, I heard James Garner made the choice, like they asked him to get a Trans Am. This was before Smokey and the Bandit. Because I think if he made the if he made the Trans Am famous, Burt Reynolds probably picks a different car. Who knows? Yeah. But he was just like, nah, this guy, this guy doesn't have the Trans Am. So what they they did was they bought uh, there was the more modest Trans Am was called a Formula Four Hundred, okay. and then below that was a, the Firebird uh, Espire. I don't know the fuck you said it. So they took a Formula Four Hundred. And then they made it look like an the spirit or the spirit, whatever the how you said yeah. it. So they took off the cool hood with the scoops, and yeah. then gave him sort of the granny rims, like the regular looking rims. Wow. But he had a bad he had a badass car. The thing actually went up for auction recently, um, and it's had like the uh, they had like inputs for like mics and shit oh, in, wow. in the in the corner. Yeah, it went for like you know over, who was over his like buddy? Grand. Wasn't there like somebody? Was it Angel? Angel. Yep. Yeah, I want to say he came along a little later in the series. I think I yeah. loved Angel, and uh, and back then too, it was also like like hair plugs weren't like readily available, so yeah. a lot of people were like going bald in like funny old school ways, and then yeah. they were trying to have the long hair. So the people are just funny looking. Yeah, and the clothing must be insane looking. Right? Oh, it's all it's all like well, there's also it's all great. It's all just and it's it, most of it is just like. It's why I still love McDonald's. I don't eat it, but why I love it is because yeah. it takes me back to being a kid. It's why when I watch those shows, because, you know, the plot holes. And so you watch an episode of Chips. I love this. We like a 40-car pileup. And then there's this guy, after 40 cars, still does not <laughs> so see it coming. No, and then it's great. The sound effect, when he goes over the pilot, the pile, he's still on the gas. Like he's going over yeah. the hill. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to drive through the fucking air. And it's just how high up he is. It's just like some stuntman fucking, it, it, the very least, totally had spinal compression because they would just get in those fucking cars and put on like a fucking hockey helmet, whatever the hell they did, and they would just compress their spines. Just the shit those guys did back then was crazy. Insane. I did a, a, one of many failed pilots, and one time we were shooting out in the valley, and we were doing something that was... A, borderline stunt thing it just involved i forget what the fuck pedestrian somebody driving a car and we were way out in the valley and the guy was an older guy old stunt guy yeah he goes you see that right there it was a softball field with the parking lot he goes i used to work on the fall guy remember that lee majors oh, wow. he goes yeah every morning every morning that whole parking lot we all be lined up with all these old cars and there was a little pause and he just goes and we'd wreck them all <laughs> <laughs> the uh lee majors Love and, them. and uh, just like the impact that like the the impact he had on America like he was six million dollar man like oh, that yeah. was that he was like Obama like and he, he, and he was, was and he was dating Farrah Fawcett I mean Farrah Fawcett like I remember did you have the poster I had the poster I didn't have the I don't think I could have handled the poster at that age just looking at it, like she was the hottest. Even though I like Kate Jackson was the one for me, she was the one. That was yeah. when I would marry. But Farrah Fawcett, that that's you know, she just was smoking hot. They were all amazing. I I do have to go back because I know all my listeners yeah. are going. How the fuck <laughs> is Lee Majors like Obama? Because he was, he was um, this. He kind of embodied a heroic kind of uh, 
you know, I mean, I was a kid, but like he was, he was much more than the six million dollar man. He was. There was some, like I guess he was like Steve McQueen or something. I don't know. I would say more like that because a politician inherently divides the country down the yeah. middle, and yeah, people were kind of all on board with Lee. I well, would there, think so. There was also like it was the TV thing, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he probably wanted to be a movie star, but he was a TV star. So with Lee, when when the six million dollar man fought Bigfoot. <laughs> which was Andre the Giant. Oh, do you remember when he fought the $7 million man? This is a classic story this I told is, the podcast. I don't dude, remember he, any of this. Dude, he fucking punched the guy's face off. And off. I mean, it was all wires. Dude, I was like disturbed. And then <laughs> and then the guy was coming at him and he took like a steel girder, which happened to be there or pole. Yeah, that'll happen. And he just, he just <laughs> impaled the guy. And the guy was like... And it was, what was hilarious was he, I think Lee Majors was a little taller than him. But it was just, it was Wait, like. Andre the Giant or the $7 No, this million is the $7 million man. man. Yeah. It was kind of like the iPhone 6 I'm and then, having... he, then the iPhone 7 came out. Yeah. So this guy was the iPhone 7 version of the $6 million man. Wow. Or whatever they're up to now. Yeah. 10, 15. What are they up to? I think I think it's 11. No, they're not. I think they. Ha- I think 11 just came out. I still out. have a 7. It wouldn't be working. I I have a t- I have the 10. And I bought the 10. And my 13 year old's like, you know, the 11's coming out. And I'm like, I don't. What am I gonna wait? I, I know. I, can't I need a phone. That. I know. <laughs> Those poor bastards over fucking. I love the people that sit out waiting for the phone, yeah. and three days later you can just walk in like a gentleman. I, I just to have it, yeah. just so you can fucking take it out on public transportation, and hope that somebody's gonna have phone envy. Well, I think they're like they're tech nerds, right? So that is their. It's there, right? I stood in line for an Iron Maiden T-shirt the other night. So, I mean, who the fuck am I to? Do? It's you know what? This brings us full circle. It does. Maybe we should really think about what we're saying on stage. Maybe, I think we maybe, should. maybe we do mean it. Oh my god! I didn't say anything <laughs> wrong, did I? No, I don't think I did. No. Look, it's fascinating. Yeah, because I like oh, doing stand up. I want to keep doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would like to have it end because I decided I didn't want to do it anymore rather than someone who's never told jokes before. You know what's Let's in- not do this again. We already did it. We already made our listeners suffer through this fucking us bitching about no, it. No, no. Well, here's what I was going to say is that, so you're 51. Yeah. I'm 53. And, you know, I think my mom died when she was 53. My dad, you know, 62. I'm kind of like... What we do, like articulating and, you know, like my brother had a stroke. You know, he's fine, but it's like a little bit there. It's like, you know, we're not going to be able to do this. You know, Norman Lear's 90, 100 or whatever, and he's doing fine. But, like, there is – it's not just telling jokes. It's like, you know, know, and you talked about this. Like, you're doing – Paper Tiger, like that was. By the way, it was great. Thank you. But like that's also like you honed that, you crafted that, and and there is like something of a skill set that um, you know, it lives up to your level of satisfaction. Whereas like if you, you know, it's not like a guarantee that we get to do this for the next twenty years. Like my fear, no, because I'll tell you, there's so many. Young, funny people coming up. There's so many people that I'm oh, like yeah. huge fans of. They actually, they're so funny. It's it's making me like work harder because I, I was like, I am not going to be around if these people just keep like, because every generation, 
has to have their guy and they're, and they're 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 movie stars they're they're yeah. whatever and it's just like yeah. their music and all of that which i really really respect and try to stay out of the way of yeah. like uh like you know like i, I just got to a certain i don't know what the fucking age i got to like i just was looking at places you know, because uh, we live like a Peter Pan lifestyle, especially yeah. when I wasn't married and didn't have any kids. And they would like, yeah. remember working some fucking place and this guy, oh yeah, I'll take you to the club. We went to like this fucking nightclub and there was like a bunch of like 20 somethings in there. And I was probably in like my late thirties. I was just like, dude, I gotta get out. I can't fucking be in here. They're looking at me yeah. like I'm a cop. What am I doing here? Yeah. This is embarrassing. Let's go find a fucking dive. And he didn't get it because he was like, he was older than me. Yeah. Still hitting on chicks. Doing all right, by the way. So I was just like, all right, man, you have your fun. I got to get out of here. But like, I really feel like, uh, you know, those those people that fucking try to, at our age, try to stay up on, on clothing yeah. and, you know, see what your kids are wearing and do that. It's just like, you look like an idiot. Well, I looked old. But my, my the point I'm getting to is like, what if you're halfway through developing a new hour and you die? Like, you, you know, like one of your last thoughts. <laughs> outside, outside of your obviously the people you love you're gonna be like ah, shit i wish i would have taped this do you tell you <laughs> is that just stupid i just said no that. because i wouldn't want i wouldn't want my half-baked shit to go out there which is why i always feel bad for like musicians um because they just go into the vault like like i think it's going to happen to prince especially if you're somebody who is taking care of a lot of people yeah, and then you fucking die suddenly the way he did. Yeah, and they're not ready for it. Um, and then who has the rights to this? I think there's going to be a bunch of shit that half baked ideas that he didn't want put out there. Right, that they, like hurts like his legacy. It's just like unless Prince said, "I want this released," I don't think it should be released. But then there's all this shit about who gets the rights to it and stuff. So yeah, um, fortunately, I never tape myself, so I don't think you never tape yourself. I do occasionally, and then I never listen to it. And then I always seem to tape on the night I shouldn't have taped, and then the night I should have taped. Here's one for young comics out. Well, you put you know older comics out there, because we were bad with the technology. Uh, This is what I've learned: if you're gonna tape your set, you got to put your phone in airplane mode. Because on the iPhone, if somebody sends you a text, which they will right before the thing you're working out, it shuts off the recorder, and then you're fucked. I tape every single set. I record every single set, and I try and because I, I didn't have you to come on here and start punching down I, on me. I'm, I'm, I just ethic, want okay? you to know that, like, I'm trying to inspire and do, you. Do you and you listen to it? I do sometimes. Yeah, I would say most times I do. I mean, it's part of the writing process. It's it's not the most efficient thing, but right. I also like in checking out your podcast. How often do, when you're you're rambling? You sit there and you go, oh yeah, that's a good idea. You know, like because you're free form rambling. No, I no, I I try to keep um, the podcast is the podcast. My you keep it separately. Occasionally, there's been something where I'll be like, ah, oh, maybe I could develop that, but like, um, dep- and also depends where I am in my act. Like right now, I'm kind of like you know, it is interesting a- the any, different any, stages. Right? Yeah, anything goes, sort of thing, but uh. That moment where you're like, I need topics. I gotta find yes. a topic. Give me a topic. Give you. me a topic. Yeah. What do you got? I remember that was uh, that was probably ten years ago where we were like, we, uh, you know, I'm looking for topics. I'm even doing like jokes about hotels, and all I could think was like, 
My last special, I had jokes about were with hotels, <laughs> but they were worked out. <laughs> but but it was different. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were gilded at that but, point. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. We figured it all out, Bill. We did. I think we did. Well, listen, uh, you're one of my favorite people in this business. Thanks, uh, beyond appreciate it. respect you as a comedian, as a person, not as not, much, not so much, not so much, but really so just much. as a as a as a dad, a husband, and a comedian. Oh, well, thanks. But as like a you know person sitting across me in a podcast studio i don't know not that good i don't, I don't, I don't think so. not that uh, too fat um all right i was triggered by everything that you said yeah well you know that's gonna happen you know it's like just my presence you don't i didn't make you feel safe no i just thought you were trying too hard with how like with your glasses and like you just were trying you were being yourself so much that i thought maybe there was something sinister underneath it it's just we got to get a dialogue going. And that's and what it is. We got to get it out there. Okay. Can I, I hold your I'll, hand while we talk? Is that yeah, going to make you feel? Yeah. It would make me feel safer. If my <laughs> penis is in my hand while I hold your hand, is that weird? Does that make you uncomfortable? I think the fact that you're asking. First of all, I'm honored. I think it's so brave of you to tell me that that's what you want to do right now. Yeah. That I I think it's okay. It's fine, right? I think so. It's going to be interesting. We figured right. it all out. But that's going to happen after this podcast, and I'll let you guys know how it worked out on Monday. There you go. Jim, I love you, brother. Thanks, Thanks for coming buddy. on. Thank you for having me. All right. All right. It's time for some reads here. Dollar Shave Club, dude. Dollar Shave Club has spent years developing, crafting, and refining all of their products. They have basically everything you need for an amazing shave. The executive razor, Dr. Kavi's Easy Shave Butter. Uh, prep scrub and post shave do gross as and as an amazing as their shave stuff is dollar shave club is way more than just razors dollar shave club has you covered from head to toe they have everything you need to shower shave style your hair brush your teeth and yes even wipe your butt uh paying property tax up the butt uh, and Dollar Shave Club can keep you automatically stocked up on the products you use. You get what you want, whether you need it, whether that's a, a once a month or a few times a year. As Dollar Shave, as a Dollar Shave Club member, you'll never have to waste time at a store wondering if what you're getting is any good. You'll get, you'll know that you're getting the high, everything you're getting is the highest quality. Right now, you can put the quality of Dollar Shave Club products to their test. Fuck, this is long. The ultimate shaver, shave start. Starter set has basically everything you need for an amazing shave. The executive razor, like already mentioned. Shave butter, already mentioned. Prep scrub. post do shave. Gross. We've been through this. It's all in there. The best part is you can try it for just five bucks. After that, the restock box ships regular size products at regular prices. Get your ultimate status set for just five dollars at dollarshaveclub.com slash burr. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash burr. All right, read number two, quip. Uh, what's actually, what actually makes a better toothbrush? Hmm, industrial strength power, claims of miraculously trendy ingredients, multiple modes. If you ask any dentist, they'll tell you it's less about the brush and more about how you use it. Hmm, interesting. That's why quip was created by dentists and product designers to focus on what actually matters for your oral health. Healthier habits. Quip sensitivity vibration with the built-in timer. Easy, ladies. Guide gently, guide gentle brushing for dentists recommended. Two minutes with 30-second pulses ensuring an even clean. 
Quip automatically delivers brush heads to you every three months for clean new bristles right on schedule. The sleek, intuitive design is simple to use and comes with a travel cap that doubles as a mirror mount. These thoughtful features make brushing something you actually want to do twice a day. Good habits matter to live a healthier life. So, help from fresh oral health habits. So, help form fresh oral health habits with Quip. Quip starts at just $25 and you'll get your first refill for free at getquip.com slash burr. This is a simple way to support our show and start brushing better, but you have to get to getquip.com, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash burr to get your first refill for free. Go right now to getquip.com slash burr. And lastly, HelloFresh. HelloFresh makes cooking delicious. Cook makes cooking delicious meals at home a reality, regardless of your comfort in the kitchen. From step-by-step recipes to pre-measured ingredients, you'll have everything you need to get a wow-worthy dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes. Say goodbye to endless grocery store tips. Trips and take out food. HelloFresh has you covered. Break out your dinner rut with HelloFresh's 20-plus seasonal chef-curated recipes each week. There's something for everyone. From family recipes to calorie-smart and vegetarian, the fun menu series like Hall of Fame and Kraft Burgers. HelloFresh has more five-star recipes than any other meal kit, so you know you'll be getting something delicious. Add extra meals to your weekly order as well as yummy add-ons like garlic bread and cookie dough. Easily change your delivery days, food preferences, and skip a week whenever you need. Host must mention a minimum of four bullet points from the sections outlined above. I read them all. Simple, delicious, flexible. Jeez. Like that lady up the street for $80 off your first month at HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Burr80. B-U-R-R-80. That's $80 off your first month of HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Burr80 and enter the code Burr80. B-U-R-R-80. Same number. Is Dwight Clark. All right. What's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, September 19th, 2011. How the hell are you? How's it going? Did you guys have a good week? Yeah, that's good. Um, we got a very special <laughs> we got a very special guest this week. I forgot to bring it up last week during the podcast. I was so busy going off on the fatties. This guy who sat by my, uh, you know, slumping over in my fucking chair. I forgot to bring up that this week... Um, I have a, I got a big time guest on my show, the one and only Mr. Tom Green. All right. Yeah. Tom Green. Thanks for having me on, Bill. This is cool. Thank you for, uh, for coming in here. And thank you to Patrick Melton of the, uh, Nobody Likes Onions. Wonderful podcast, uh, for letting us come over. That's probably why the quality of this 
Yeah. Sounds so well. You actually it's a good setup. Multiple yeah. microphones. Uh, there's mixing boards. All kinds. Mixing consoles, computers. Lots of computers. Yeah, and you were saying to me, you were like, "Wow, you thought that this was my stuff." You were like, "Oh, wow, you really updated it." I thought yeah. you just sat in your underwear. Yeah. And did this because I saw a video of you doing a, your podcast before, and you were just talking into a mic. Yeah. Uh, on the couch. Yeah, sounding like uh, a maniac. That's yeah. how I usually but do then it. This is this is uh, much more elaborate. <laughs> so, were you nervous that you were going to be coming over to my place and I was going to be sitting there in my pajamas, awkwardly interviewing you? No, I was looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah oh, it was okay. fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, all right. I was, I'm sorry we didn't get to hang out more in Montreal. It was like I was only there for two nights this year, and I, we, we, it's so crazy, Montreal, ah, isn't know. it? It's it, like every, there's a thousand people in a room talking to each other, and. Uh, and then it was just, I was only there for uh, two nights this year. Did you have fun in Montreal this year? Yeah, yeah. but it always gets, there's always that person you want to go talk to. Yeah. And as you're walking yeah. over there, yeah. there's like nine people will come up to you and they'll just be like, hey, I got yeah. a room in the Yukon Territories. You ever make your way up there? Yeah. You want to do that room? You're like, yeah, talk to my manager. And then trying to head over. But uh, yeah. Jesus Christ, Patrick, what are you doing? So, you're yeah. bumping my guests out of the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and then and then I turned around and, and then and then then you were gone and then I was gone and then it was then uh, I left. Well, the I next want day. you to know I took it personally. Yeah, I, I know. was like that son of a bitch. Tom that's Brady. why I'm bringing it up. I didn't want you to <laughs> think I was being a douchebag or something like that. Well, I, I know we've had a lot of fun hanging out this year. You did my podcast at the Smod Castle. Uh-huh. And we've been hanging out up at my place, having some barbecues and stuff. And you have very good barbecues. Yeah, look, look th- at me. I think I'm, I'm a- going to have another one this week. Actually, maybe Friday. You around or no? Uh, actually, no Friday of this week. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll Might be around. Be yeah. Cool. See the, look, the life of a comedian. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just have. See, most people have the barbecues. I'm in town this weekend. Well, good yeah. deal. I'll be yeah. all over. Well, the main reason why Tom is here is because uh, I I am going to uh, he I'm hyping his uh, big time. Uh, Date, stand-up date in Boston, Massachusetts. He's going to be at the Wilbur, as they say in Boston, the Wilbur Theater, uh, September 30th. And Tom is taping two shows for uh, your, your first stand-up comedy special. Absolutely. Yeah. So this, this is huge Monday morning podcast uh, listeners in the Boston, New England area. Um, Tom Green, September 30th at the, uh, the Wilbur Theater. How excited are you to be doing this, uh, I'm your so, first special? I'm excited. You know, there's, there's going to be... You know, I mean, because I've been basically touring now like this for a couple of years, and uh, the real deal, man. I I've, I check out your website. You're not one of those guys dipping in once, yeah. once a month. You're doing like two, three road dates a month, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm having a great time, and uh, this uh, TV taping on September has been sort of set for about six months now. So I've just, it's like a goal I've got. You know, I got to, yeah. I got to get exactly the way I want it to be by September 30th in Boston. So. How are you so, feeling? How do you feel like I, right right before the uh, right before you tape and what I, are you thinking? I feel good. I feel good. I uh, I feel good. I feel good. I feel as good as I can. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's never going. You're going to sp- kill it. I, I can think- tell you're going to kill it. <laughs> I saw I saw Tom. Uh, I not this Montreal. Last Montreal. This first time I went up and I uh, saw. I always been a fan of your stuff. So I saw. Oh, Tom's doing stand up. Is he going to do like you know sort of Tom Greenish kind of stuff? Is he going to be doing? Uh, like like what I've seen you do, or are you going to do the stand-up? And you went up there, and I was totally blown away because right off the bat, there was a little bit of anger underneath your stuff, <laughs> and then there was also some conspiracy theory. So within five minutes, I was totally on board. Oh, well, that means a lot. Oh, yeah. Bill, obviously. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's... Yeah, you know, it's cool. And, and that was, I was just really getting started then, and I've just kept writing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting when you have a... a you know it's being documented, and you know people are going to see it. It really gives you. It's nice to have that goal, and uh, 
And yeah. that, that show in September has is, is been the goal. September 30th has been the goal. So, you know, I'm really just trying to refine everything and I've made a lot of adjustments. Are you, as, doing, the, are you doing the Facebook? Thing? I do talk about that still, that's, yeah. That's still one of my favorite lines. And that's a big sort of, I'd say a big theme of, uh, one of my bigger themes of the show is just a, a lot of that uh, addiction to this crazy technology. Yeah, and, and putting and all that stuff out there. Like, I'm totally paranoid about I had somebody t- today at, on on uh, PayPal. Just I get this email from PayPal telling me that they want my federal tax ID number. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just like, and I'm just supposed to believe that this. You know, you see these freaking kids; they can break into like the goddamn Pentagon. Yeah, and find out who killed Kennedy or whatever. And I'm supposed to believe that this this email. Yeah, they said either send your federal ID number, your social security number, or just it's just yeah. all that stuff where you can basically be me in ten minutes. And yeah. and even if. It is them. Like, I, that's just shit I would rather do over the phone. Yeah, exactly. Because even though somebody on the other end of the phone could be totally dishonest, if, no matter what, somebody can get to you. But I try to limit my exposure, and I, I never send that stuff over email because, I, you know, you know that shit? You ever notice, like, when you go on the Internet and, like, you'll, you'll be looking at something? You look at, like, mop handles or just something stupid. Then all of a sudden, like, the next day you're on YouTube uh-huh. and the entire, like, borders uh-huh. yeah. are, are stuff that you already looked at. And it was like, that yeah. was like a – I thought that was so like a private that's why all that porn search. stuff keeps popping up in yeah. the email. <laughs> I figured there was a reason it was suddenly popping up. So I joined I, that I, site. I do get that a lot. Well, let me ask you this. Considering you came from – like a background where you you did a lot of like TV and that stuff kind of out of the gate, doing going more like the uh, do basically doing what I'm doing with you right now, hosting and stuff. D- did you do stand up before you got into? Uh... I did when I was when I was a kid. When I was 15 years old, I got up on stage at Yuck Yucks in Ottawa and I just fell in love with it. And I did it for about three or four years. How did you have the balls at 15 to go up there? You know, I, I was a heckler. I would go down to, to heckle. <laughs> Actually, That's hilarious. And we got we'd get kicked out. My friends and I would go down there. You know, it was they had a restaurant license at the club, so you could go at 15 years old to the comedy club in Ottawa. And it was it was you know sort of as a loophole for us because we felt wow we're hanging out in a bar you know and at 15 right. we thought this was cool we can go down to the bar and there's all these older people and there's adult themes and we're sitting there you know drinking a Coca Cola right and uh, you know being totally hyper, just insane. People, me and my friends, when we were kids, we were just nuts, and we just wanted to be, you know, and always making How fools of How pissed would the comedians get that these snot-nosed fifteen-year-olds were up there heck? That would that would have driven me nuts. Yeah, it, I think it did. We got kicked out and banned from the club the day that we found out that they had an amateur night. We were, I think, we were like they, they mentioned there was an amateur night. Call in and leave your name to be on amateur night, and then that night we got kicked out and banned from the club. Was it something so. when you were going down there, you were doing just? For the hell of it, or did you already know, like, maybe I want to do this? I think it was sort of a, sort of a, it was sort of right on that moment of realizing, hey, this is when we realized, hey, it would be cool to be able to get up on stage and tour the world and right. be, you know, this, you know, road warrior comedian. And that was just something that was, uh, that was always on my mind even before that. But uh, Yeah, didn't the road seem awesome before you did it? <laughs> I was just I thought it was the coolest thing when someone was like, Yeah, I got a week in, you know, Tulsa. Yeah. And you're like, Wow, that sounds badass. And the first few times you do it, it is pretty exciting. But once you've I found sometimes though, like when I come home for too long I start to get get itchy and have to get back get a craving to get back on the road because you know you got the disease. I, yeah, you know you've been been doing it too much when you get back to the airport and you go, ah, home, the airport, yeah. you know? Okay, I'm going to go grab a Starbucks, buy a magazine, sit sit and wait for the... Yeah, but uh, 
But yeah, it was it was it was something I loved doing, and uh, I stopped doing it when I was a teenager too. And I started that my show on the public access station when I was my twenties, and I just sort of focused everything. Yeah, on and that. it was such like a brilliant like the foresight to do that. Like, uh, I mean, I would I would think just if I started stand up at fifteen, I would just think I was so ahead of the game. And then if I did you know three years of that, I would feel I was so invested in in it. Why would you stop doing what it? What actually I, happened? I was in a rap group, and I've told you about my rap group, and we uh-huh. got we got a record deal when I was eighteen years old in Canada, a Canadian record deal with A and M Records, and it was this big thing up there for us. You know, we moved to Toronto and recorded this album, and I actually had a show, one of my first sort of real shows. Right. I've been doing amateur night and featuring middle spots for a couple couple years, a few years, and. And I had this show in Montreal that uh, I had booked. And I had to cancel it to go do this record. And I was so embarrassed and ashamed with with myself that right. I canceled this show that I just sort of was a little bit embarrassed to go back to the club for a while. And plus, I then I got caught up in this rap thing. And what, was, do you have that thing where you think the whole world cares about what you're yeah, doing? Like yeah. everyone was sitting there going, can yeah. you believe yeah, yeah, Tom exactly. Green canceled yeah, when they this probably, spot? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He doesn't deserve yeah, yeah, exactly. to be a comedian anymore. Exactly. And I was just sort <laughs> yeah. of so paranoid about it. And I got caught up in this rap thing. We toured around with that for a year or so. And then... And then, uh, then I went back to school. And, and was took, the rap thing serious? Was we joking around? You kind of no. Well, we were doing funny stuff, but we 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 we, we wanted to be doing like Beastie Boys kind of thing. But the right. stage show was really ridiculous. We'd every show we'd bring like a hundred loaves of bread and just basically throw bread slices at the audience throughout. <laughs> the, it was like that. It was we we have bits where we put laundry baskets on our head and do this sort of strange performance art, sort of slow motion dance sort of thing. Right. So, so it was definitely had a lot of weird, strange. Now, how do you get out of something in- like that? Because I've always, I've always been, especially when I was younger, like bad with confrontation. So you're in a band, yeah. and at some point, did did the band just get put to the side? I'm doing a TV show, or did you actually sit down and just say well, no, we, we have creative differences? Well, we had a record deal, and we did the first album, and the album, you know, sold all right. But the record label dropped us after a couple of years. You know, we get a, got a letter in the mail, and we regret to inform you. No one called us, right? We regret to inform you that uh, we will not be doing another record. Right. And so you re- I read that, and I sort of I remember it was like one of those one of those moments in life where I was just sitting there going, well, my gosh, my, my dream of becoming a rapper is dead. Right. What am right. I going to do? You know. So I went back to school. I took television broadcasting. You didn't even think to go, I'll just go back to stand-up? You didn't even think to do that? You thought they still cared down at the club? <laughs> you know, no. You know what it was is I I, I, I think even the, when I was doing the the rap group, we would we, it was sort of on the radio in Canada. We'd go to Toronto. We'd be on Much Music. We'd do all the interviews and go on the shows and stuff. Right. And I was 19 at that time. And uh, I just knew that... I mean, I, basically everything for me was revolved around the David Letterman show, basically. Right. I grew up watching the David Letterman show, and that's all I... And, and Monty Python and SCTV, but really it was David Letterman. It was watching him yelling out of his, his office with a megaphone and... Right, just messing right. with people on TV. That was just to me seemed like the, you know, the, 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 there was nothing better than that in the world so that you could like possibly you, ever want to do. And, and kind of like you going down to the comedy club, the first thing you did was mess with the uh, comedians on stage. Yeah. So maybe that, that really. Yeah, there was some, some sort of inner desire to stir the, stir up shit or something like that. But, 
I can say that, right? It's a podcast. Yeah. I can say shit, right? Oh, dude, yeah. believe me. Yeah. So, I say um, cunt on here all the time. Yeah. So it's, it's fine. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> this is probably the classiest 15 minutes I've had on this podcast. I told you I was, I was trash at fatties yeah. all last yeah. week. This, Maybe it's too damn yeah. fucking serious or yeah. something like that, right? I, I sat next to this yeah. tub of shit uh, <laughs> last week. You know, I was flying out to Phoenix. He was just spilling into my goddamn chair, and he ordered more food to become even fatter. And I just, I the murderous thoughts that were going through my head, uh-huh. and uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't, some people agreed with how I went off. They're, I don't know. They consider it's considered like a disability. I want to get your thoughts on this before we go through everything. Like, there's, there's a guy. Uh, uh, it says, uh, "Do you love White Castle burgers, but hate their two teeny tiny booths?" What's a steam steam burger fan to do? Uh, here's what one self-described not humongous but a big guy White Castle, Castle fan did. He sued him under the Americans with Disability Acts because the seats weren't big enough to he hold. He couldn't. He couldn't get himself in the booth. So a devoted 290-pound White Castle fan is steaming mad about the fast food change, which he says repeatedly broke promises to make the booths in his local eatery bigger. So he would go in there, order that shit food, and then complain. It's the reason he's 290 pounds. Yeah. Well, in a way, he's actually right. It's like, yeah. if you're going to let gonna, me... If you're going to fatten people up, yeah. you've got to have room... Expansion. <laughs> you got to have room for that expansion. They should just have, like, bean bags, right? Yeah. With, like, just a giant table... <laughs> Covered in mini burgers and grease. Yeah, dude. I, I, I know people don't want to be fat and that type of thing. But like and and I, I you know, I, I go off on everybody on this podcast. Believe me. I trash women like you can't believe. It's disgusting the level that I trash women. I trash fat people. I trash bankers. I do all of that shit on here. And just fat people, just, you know, you take it to the point where it's a disability. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you fought in a fucking war or something. Yeah. You ate a box of fudgicles. There was some woman uh, on, on TV yesterday on Dr. Drew, 790 uh-huh. pounds or something like that. She's yeah. the, the Guinness Book world record holder for being the fattest uh, woman on the planet. And she actually said that she was, I think, maybe she's 700 pounds. She was 630 and she Dude, was, you're like as big as a walrus. At she that was point. trying to get on Dr. Phil. She was trying to get on all the shows for t- to talk about her weight for help, and nobody would have her on. So out of desperation, <laughs> she called the Guinness Book of World Records, found out how far off she was from the record, over eight, so that she beat the record, and now she's getting on all the shows. She said hey. this. She admitted it. You know, talk about rewarding. You know what that's bad like? behavior, right? She basically gained weight so that she could get on Dr. Phil, and it, like, and it worked. That's like the fat version of how Kim Kardashian got famous, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Rather than go out and blow somebody on camera, you know, she went out and uh, she went down on some devil dogs, and that must have well, somebody should have filmed that. You know, you, I got to give it to her. You know, she actually achieved a goal. Listen, to the, I'll, I'll read the. <laughs> I'll, you know, she had a goal. She went for it. So, anyways, this guy's. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. He said that there's the, um, he always orders the number two combo meal, and he got an unpleasant surprise. He went to this one. Uh, they have stationary booths. I'm not a humongous, but I'm a big guy. I could not wedge myself in. I got to give this guy credit for saying wedge. He's at least admitting that he's a tub of shit, right? Morti- <laughs> mortified and in pain from smacking his knee into one of the table support, Kespin limped out of the restaurant and later penned a complaint to the corporate headquarters. How did White Castle respond? He said very condescending letters, and then they added insult to injury 
and each letter was a coupon for three free hamburgers, but the cheese was extra. <laughs> That's very passive aggressive of saying you need to go on a diet, fatty. Um, yeah, like, I, what do you feel about that? I don't buy into that. You know, do you think it's a disability? You've eaten yourself into a disability, but like, yeah, no, it's frivolous. Yeah, does, does it? Yeah. Don't, don't you, 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 you have like a fantasy? You wish you were a judge just for shit like that, so you could just slam, get that shit out of my courtroom. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's uh, you know, it's like the guy that got the you know the, some, the person got the coffee spilled on their uh, on their lap at McDonald's and made fourteen million dollars out of it, right? Oh yeah, burned yeah. up. Her, people uh, sue anybody for anything in this country. What's this country coming to? Now, do they do that up there God in Canada, it. or do people no, they just don't. take it on the chin? Yeah, they just go to another restaurant where they have bigger booths. Are you enjoying, <laughs> as as a Canadian, the American dollar kind of going down a little bit after all the years that we've made fun of your monopoly currency uh, <laughs> and called it that type of stuff? You know, Americans, we're arrogant. Um, you know? We're well, like Yankee fans. Like, we've never achieved anything in our personal lives, but we're attached to something that's doing well. So. Well, no, I'm not happy about it because I live in America and, uh, right. and uh, you know, uh, I love this country. It's been good to me and I live here and uh, I work here and uh, you want to see it do well. But uh, – but it is interesting, you know, to to see that, you know, because you know, you used to you'd, you'd go home to Canada. Right. Ever since I've been living here, I'd go home to Canada. When I when I when I first started my show on MTV, the uh, Canadian dollar was seventy five cents. It was worth right. seventy five cents. Now it's a dollar four. Okay. Right. So before I'd go home and, uh, you know, I'd I, I'd go to a, a Starbucks. I'd pull out an American twenty. I'd buy my coffee, and they'd give me $25 change. It was awesome. You wow. Know? Yeah, they'd be paying you to buy their – you go yes. to McDonald's, you get a Big Mac, they're paying you to, to, to buy their stuff. <laughs> I went up there this – I gave them 100 bucks American. I got like 80-something back. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. But it's, uh, it's, it's nice to see that the Canadian economy is doing really well right now. That's cool. You're up in, you go up to Toronto, right. and they're building everywhere. And it's, but it really kind of puts it in perspective of how things are probably kind of getting bad down yeah. here. You know, it's you making know? me want to get a gun. Yeah. You think that's crazy? I'm surprised you don't have one already. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Were you a gun guy growing up or no? Uh, not really, no. We, I, I, uh, when I was 20, not yeah, I thought you, you guys all did that stuff. I know it's ignorant. I thought well, you guys you, played hockey, you shot caribou. Well, if you live out in the country and you're a farmer, which a lot of Canadians are, but if you live right. in the city, which I did, it wasn't. it's not that easy to get a gun when you're in the city. You can't just go buy one out of a... You know, the trunk of a car or something like that. Uh, but uh, so well, I was 21 years old. I had this a friend of mine and I, and I had this idea that we really wanted to get a gun. And right. We were kind of curious, actually, to see how hard it would be, knowing that, you know, you can't just go buy a gun. But they'd sell them at Home Depot. You know, you can buy right. them, but, you know, you'd have to. You ha we were kind of curious. Well, how much how much is a gun? How do you get a gun? So we, we actually filled out all the paperwork. Okay. Right. You know, we fill out the paperwork. Then you have to go to the police station. You have to submit a. Oh, uh, God, sorry, that's my phone. You have to submit a uh, you know form that says you want to get a hunting license, and then you get called by a police officer. They interview you. They ask you why you want to get this gun. We said we. Um, Even if you want to get a rifle. Yeah, we we were getting a rifle. Oh, you can't get a handgun. That's actually uh, there's no way to get a handgun really. Uh, unless that's a much much more elaborate. What, what, is, what is what is the? Um, we were buying twenty twos. If, if yeah. you get, if you get caught with with a handgun um, in Canada, you know what what is what is the 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 the, the sentence that you get? Uh, well, people have handguns, but it's just it's a. You know, I think you have to be a considered a collector. There's no, but a, if you got it illegally, if you got it illegally, I mean, you know, you'd probably you know get in the same kind of 
trouble that Plaxico Burris got in for shooting himself in the foot in the nightclub in New York. You know, it's, you know, you know, it's not in the culture up there, though. I mean, there's not that many people have them to begin with. So it's just not something that you think about. that. That's much. amazing up there. Like you guys, you don't really have that level of violence yet if you lose in the finals. Yeah, there's exactly. A, there's a danger. Then, in, in, yeah, that to they're gonna, that they're gonna, yeah, that they're gonna burn down the, the the city. Well, Vancouver people in Vancouver are pretty pretty crazy to begin with. They're, I mean, they're, they're in, in in you know they're the, first of all. I well, think what about it, Montreal? You're a Canadians fan. What about those guys? Yeah. Like they they won people, a series. And they, well, when they it comes to hockey, I guess what I'm saying, people in Vancouver, when it comes to hockey, are pretty crazy. Just like oh, Montreal, okay. when it comes to hockey, and uh, I think there's probably a pent up anxiety up there because you're not going out there and you know occasionally shooting people and things like this you don't you haven't you, you know there's not a you don't really get your 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 get your, that out of you get that out of you and then a uh, hockey game <laughs> losing a hockey game is the perfect excuse you know it's because you guys are so goddamn polite all the time it just, i think it was it just, just builds up yeah, it was a lot of young people who had too much to drink and uh you know you got to look at it like uh you know hockey is about as big as Football, baseball, basketball, hockey, and religion all combined in, in this Canada, country. Yeah. You know, in, in, in America, in, in Canada, it's everything. And so to get that close to winning the Stanley Cup in, in Vancouver and then to have, have Boston take it away, Boston. Uh, yes. yes, sir. <laughs> Boston, yes, sir. September 30th. I'm coming. I'm not Boston. from Vancouver. That's um, right. <laughs> Boston. It's yeah. September 30th. And the tickets are going to be really uh, well-priced here, yeah. like $20 and under. Yeah. And I am giving Tom Green full five stars straight across the board, just like the, the right. reviews you. you got in the Edinburgh Comedy Festival, yeah. which is one of the most prestigious comedy festivals for my listeners out there. The Edinburgh Comedy Festival is like three weeks over in Scotland, and that's no joke. It's the who's who of comedy, and you got some of the best reviews there. Five stars. You don't just get five stars. And those Scottish people, they don't laugh. Half those guys, they're funnier than most of the comedians, the average yeah. Scottish guy walking down <laughs> uh-huh. the street. So if you killed it out there, man, that's a major, major rough yeah. feather in your comedy hat, as they say, man. Yeah. So- Thanks. Thanks. It was exciting. It was great being there, and uh, and I had a, had a great time. It was It's pretty cool uh, to just be able to sort of immerse yourself in that city, have you, right. per, have you been to Edinburgh? You've been yeah, to Edinburgh? I, d- I did. Uh, I didn't go to Edinburgh. Did I go to Edinburgh? I went to uh, Glasgow. Glasgow, yeah. Yeah. So it's, went- just, it's cool to be over there in front of a completely different yeah. thing, you know? I went, I, I, did a, I did a little quick tour. I did one, one night in London. I did one night in uh, Ireland. And I did one night in uh, yeah, D- Dublin. And then I did Glasgow. And I stayed a few days in Scotland. And it was, it was awesome, man. I, I yeah. like, you know what's funny is I hate soccer in America. But when I go over. To Europe, football, as they call it, I immediately get into it. It's just so hard to watch it in America because people don't give a shit. Yeah. So it's so quiet yeah. when you're watching it. There's no excitement. But I, even like, you know, sometimes if I'm bored, if I flip through and I stumble across one of those Premier League games, yeah. I can't not watch it. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, they start singing the songs. They yeah, the it's kind of like what going. happened in Vancouver, right? It's it's like yeah. it's kind of fun to go to a soccer game, and after it breaks out, so, you know, a riot breaks out, and some yeah. police cars get burned, <laughs> and it uh, adds to the whole. Hey, do you think thing. If, you, if you guys lost the gold medal game to the U.S. in Vancouver, do you think they would have rioted at the Olympics? Well, would that be pe- enough of a cohesive. Pe- pe- people talked about that and how much of a embarrassment that would have been on the would world that, stage. That would have been the first riot. That would have been the worst thing once those people got shot yep. over there in uh, that place. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know anything about history. Yeah, was it absolutely. Israel? Yeah. Oh, there was Israeli. Yeah, in Germany, was it? 
Yeah, Munich. Munich, yeah. Munich Games, that's right. Yeah, they made a movie about that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it it would have been like that. It would have been like that. But, you know... The Canadian version without guns. Uh, yeah, I don't think it would have happened as much uh, there at the Olympics. There's a lot of... I think I think we were smart enough to know that there were... You know how bad I wanted us to beat you guys? Just because I know no matter how well well we do, Canadians will always consider American hockey inferior. And I know it is, because you know what? I started playing out here. I don't think we think of that when we think of Boston Bruins or, or Detroit or, or some of the you rich. You really are a diplomat. i got to give that to you. You're very, you're very I good I've got to sell some it. tickets in Boston, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this had nothing to do with Boston. This just has to do with trashing the country on a whole. I was trying, oh, okay. I was trying to I even see. it up. No, dude, <laughs> people are going to come out to your show. My fans are very loyal, and if I tell somebody... I'm an Ottawa Senators funny. fan anyway. I'm an Ottawa Senators fan, and Phoenix Coyotes are my team. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, are you psyched that they moved up to Winnipeg now? Uh, uh, Phoenix. They moved. Yeah, no, it, was, was it, it wasn't Phoenix that moved to Winnipeg. Oh, Atlanta. What it am was I talking Atlanta. about? Atlanta moved to Winnipeg. Um, what I'm saying, Winnipeg moved down to Phoenix. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They, you know what kills me about the Phoenix Coyotes? They have a nicer arena than the Boston Bruins, an original six team. Dude, the Bruins went to Home Depot and they bought 20,000 cinder blocks and they built them in a, in a fucking square. <laughs> it's, it's just... It's just a stadium. And I went to that, that Coyotes. I don't know what it is. They, it had character. It was awesome. But the worst name ever. It's like jobbing, jobbingcenter.com. Okay. <laughs> stadium. stadium. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. But yep. uh, all right. So let, let's get back to uh, talking about some of your comedy stuff. So you were talking about how Letterman and, and, and fucking with people was, was uh, just something that you really like related to. And I, one of the funniest bits I ever saw as far as Man on the Street and the first time I met you, I talked to you about this, was that, that one you did where you were out on the street and you somehow got that guy to hold that light for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you wouldn't let him put it down. And he, uh-huh. Just the sense of urgency every time he would go to set this light down. Uh-huh. This, you guys, if you've never seen it, you got, is it up on YouTube? Is yeah, there, is I it, think it probably, probably if you type in Hold the Light, I hold think the it light. might be called. I'm not sure if it's on YouTube under that name, but that's what we called it. He, he just gets this random guy. He goes, can you do me a favor? Can you just hold this light? He's filming something. He just makes him part of his camera crew. This guy's got stuff to do. The whole time he's trying to leave, you keep this guy there for like 15 minutes. Finally, he's just going, I got to go. I got to go. And he's setting the light down. And as he's setting it down, you just go, no, 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 no. <laughs> he fucking lifts it back up. And he's going, I got to Every time he would go to set it down, he'd be like, no, 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 no. And the, the sense of urgency yeah. that you, cre- you created this world that didn't even exist. And the guy totally bought into it. Like, if you actually wanted to use your skills for evil, like, you could have really been like a con man, the three-card money. I don't know what. Because you got, you sucked this dude so into your world. He just would the guy wanted to leave, and he's got this no. little stupid light. All he has to do is set it down. And back then, and I don't know if it's as much the case anymore, but back then, you know, cameras, video cameras, were so rare. You know, th- that was an early piece. That was something we shot way, way before I was on MTV. And uh, so, you know, the idea of somebody coming up to you with a camera and putting a microphone in your face, and all of a sudden you're doing an interview, right. was sort of very uh, uh, jarring for people. And you could sort of mesmerize people a little bit with that and right. uh, they didn't know how to respond um yeah it's interesting because now that everybody like half the fans they know how to actually make a movie and edit yeah, it they're now. all i'm on television i don't want to look bad and so uh you know we had a lot of bits that really played into that like when i was i was talking to someone earlier uh, today actually about this bit where i put poo on the microphone right we right. On, on mtv we spread dog crap on the on the on the <laughs> 
end of a hand, hand of just a handheld mic, and I go in and I interview people like a reporter. But you know, of course, the mic is right under their nose, and the right. shit is right under their nose, and they're smelling. <laughs> I remember the sh- that. I remember yeah. that now. Yeah, it was in New Jersey. We shot that, and they're smelling the shit. But because the camera's in their face, and they're being asked a serious question about Pete Sampras or uh, right. some political question or something, they they don't want to. Look like they aren't intelligent, and right. or say something, you know, or so act I, like they don't know what's going on. So they just sort of plow through it and ignore the fact that there's a piece of shit right under their face. Yeah, those were that's just you can't get away brilliant. with that anymore, though. Yeah, probably, so if you were to do that kind of stuff nowadays, because uh, I think now people they are so educated to being on camera, and then also that that the second somebody just comes out of nowhere with the camera, it's like, oh, they're yeah. going to try to make me look like a tool. Yeah, and the other like, thing is now you know that people are going to see it. See, back then, if somebody filmed you, okay, the, the most it would air would, and even in that, in, there would maybe be an unlikely scenario would air on the local news right. once and never be seen again. Now, if someone comes up to you with a camera, it's going to be on everybody's Facebook. All of your friends will see it. It'll, it's, it's on Google. Your name's attached to it. Everyone who you know will see it. So forever, forever. That's so. what kills me. Like you think of some of the most embarrassing moments of your childhood. Like I think of some of them. They still embarrass me. Thank God, like they were never filmed. Like some of these kids. Like how do you make a comeback? Like some of the stuff that that uh... after you hump a dead moose. How do you make a comeback <laughs> from that? <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like like they got they got some kids on there. Like. They got this one, yeah, the, like the this, the kid that beat the crap out of the other kid in Australia, and uh, the one where the the kid throws something, the big fat kid throws something at the kid, and then the kid throws his, his skateboard. skateboard at him. Oh, I love that and, kid! Yeah, and that guy cries like a woman. Yeah, like I, it sounded like that uh, that Whitney Houston song that's on that from that Kevin Costner movie. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> You know, you caught him right as he was in that awkward age of where he was the size of an adult yet still had the voice of an eight-year-old. Uh, uh, and it's just there's no comeback to that. Yeah. Like that guy could play rugby for 20 years and he's still going to get shit. You know, when he walks <laughs> in a bar, somebody's just got to bring it up. about yeah. like I, that's, that's the one thing that I actually have empathy for kids today. It's just like the most mortified, mortified you could ever be. And it's just going to hang with you. All you had to yeah. do back in the day is worry that your parents were going to show home movies to whoever the hell you were going to marry or something. Yeah. And now they, they show it to the to I've the been whole. thinking about how glad I am that they didn't have have all that when our parents were kids. You know, imagine if you'd yeah. seen your parents in these embarrassing positions. Get right? shot how, in the ass with a How BB little gun. respect yeah. we would have for them. <laughs> they would have had no control over us. You know, as our children will have no respect for us either. Right. You know. They'll... Let me ask you: How did you how did you handle uh, like fame the first time it came around? Like, because that's a, that's a really weird thing to suddenly, you know, you're doing these little movies, you're, you're doing your, your 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 show, yeah, and that type of thing, and then all of a sudden, like, it just explodes. Uh, it was a because you, you're very like it's funny like it was, listeners listen to you you're you're very intelligent you're very reserved you know when you're when you're not doing your thing so i, I was wondering how you handled like and then when you go on stage you do that crazy stuff no no no, yeah. no 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 don't put it down you have dog shit in the mic that can sometimes people think that you're like that uh-huh. off stage and yeah. just the way that they approach you oh it's tom i gotta be crazy yeah did did you you, you must have got a ton of that oh yeah i mean first of all it was 
completely exciting. It was basically when MTV picked up the show, it was essentially the, the dream coming true. I'd been working on my show for 10 years in Canada, basically trying to trying to just get out of my parents' basement, basically. Right. And so, you know, it was the most exciting thing that could ever happen, you know. All of a sudden you were on Letterman and uh, going on shows, and, uh, right. and uh, it was amazing. But, um, yeah, it was certainly uh, a little overwhelming at first, too, but uh, but but uh, totally positive and exciting. Yeah. How yeah. long did it take you to uh, adjust to that? Just like I think the thing that was the weirdest part about it was was, you know, as things progressed and, you know, I was right in the middle of the show. The show was, you know, the hit show on MTV. Right. I got sick. I got cancer right while all that happened. Right. right. Uh, I got sort of sucked into all this tabloid stuff. It was it was sort of. And it was the first time where I'd sensed any sort of negative stuff, too. You know, like all of a sudden, because the show was so big, because I was, you know, talking about cancer and right. ex-wives and all this stuff, you know, it was like it was, I was like I was sort of founding myself in a position where suddenly I went from being this underdog kid with a public access show that everyone's got to see to somebody that was sort of defending himself, you know? Right. And uh, it, was, it happened so fast that I don't think I was able to really – uh, absorb and adjust to the new reality, you know, of, where, of what it was. So I had been in this position where every time I went on a show, I'd be like a, a maniac, you know. Right. I wasn't actually like the, like, you know, more reserved, as you say. Reserved right. was the last thing anybody would have referred to me as when I, I was going on Leno and getting drunk and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, com- coming on dressed as like a, with a deer carcass on and just right. Jay was just <laughs> completely freaked out. Who's this kid? Is what's going on? This is crazy. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden you sort of uh, start getting a bit of a backlash from, from just being maybe just too – Having too much fun. Having or too much fun or something like that, you know? I think it's, an, it's inevitable. Yeah. It's inevitable. I'm trying to think of somebody. So adjusting to that, that yeah. was more of the thing that was hard to adjust to. Suddenly going, oh, wait a minute. I'm, I, I've got to maybe be a little bit more reserved now because people are going to say, why is that asshole putting a deer carcass on? And right. so it's sort of an interesting thing. That's why, you know, you know, you sort of, that's what I love about doing stand-up. You get up on stage, you're on stage for an hour. There's nobody is expecting you to be reserved you're on stage with a mic and let's go you know i also think it's a great way to to show to define who you are i mean obviously it's an enhanced version of who you are but it's also the great thing about stand-up is like i don't know how these actors do it it's like you know you book something and you book like that dream role and then you're that guy yeah yeah you know what i mean and then but the great thing about stand-up is if you're a stand-up comedian is after you leave the show you then can put out a stand-up special, and they yeah. get to see an hour of you being you as a comedian, as opposed to being I don't know, Radar or Riley or whatever you know, these yeah. fucking characters. Uh, that's that that's get. why I'm excited about putting this down on television and and having you know a, my first stand-up special recorded and available for people to see outside of just people that come to the yeah. show because. You know, you have an hour. You're talking. I'm talking about personal right. things. There's no editing. There's no hiding behind any sort of writing or, or story or character. Uh, well, know, it's great so. to see a guy who actually should be doing one doing one because with the technology now, there's so many people putting out specials that they're not really specials anymore. They're just they're uh, you know it's it's like. I don't know. It's it's just an unbelievable amount of uh yeah. You know, when I started, I'm going to sound like an old man here, like half hour specials were given out to to A yeah. uh, uh A-list comedians yeah. and they pulled from their best hour and now, you know, feature acts can get half hour specials. Yeah. And um 
I don't know. It's been good in a way because it's caused guys to write more and that type of thing. But uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing yours. Like, uh, you know, I'm telling you, man, like that, that face, I rem- like, I don't remember a lot of stuff. I remembered how you weave that stuff. I'm dying to say what line, but I don't want to ruin it because your, your, your special's coming out. But uh, like well, I said, thanks. I mean, Bill, September I mean, 30th. Boston that was certainly Mass. very inspiring. Uh, my first time at the Montreal Festival when you came to the show and you had some very nice things to say to me about it after. And it's the kind of thing it's when people do things like that, like like you did when you come out and you say yeah. a nice thing about to people. I had it's, no it's idea. And it pushes you forward. So I appreciate that. I had no idea what you were going to do. And the, it had everything. It had the stand up, and then it had that 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 no 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 moment was when you spilled the water, mm-hmm. and you overly freaked out. The uh-huh. water, the water. You yeah. started, and I started dying laughing, and uh, you also looked like you were having fun. That's a huge thing for me when I'm watching comedians. Is uh, I always tell the story. I remember the I saw uh, this comedian Gary Valentine, uh-huh. uh, Kevin James' brother. I saw him one night at the com uh, the Comedy Cellar in New York City, and it was during the the mid nineties. It was the total hangover of, you know, you know, stand up being on every channel. So the clubs were dead and it was I don't know what the hell time of year it was. All I know is he went on stage in front of like six people in this club and everyone was just dying a miserable death. And I remember he went up there and had the best fucking time and uh-huh. delivered his and he had like he's high energy. Yeah. And it shouldn't have worked. Yeah. High energy <laughs> should not work in front of six people but he went up there and he was so goofy and silly and just didn't give a shit and he went all out he was killing in front of six people i haven't (laughs) seen that since i've never seen it ever done and i remember that there's just certain sets where like i learn i learn stuff from and uh and i remember that was something that that stuck out to me that if you go up there and you're having fun and you don't give a shit in the right way like, yeah. you don't go up there like, I don't give a shit, fuck these people, I'm not giving them a show. But you just don't care that there's only six people there. I mean, he was killing. He had one lady, had her, she had her head down on the table because it was so ridiculous how much – it was so ridiculous. Yeah. It was like you were watching a guy almost by himself just going full out. <laughs> yeah. And, like, as a comedian, he had me dying laughing. Yeah. That almost became a, a It was joke. awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, awesome. Yeah. So then I, I remember, like, just knowing that when I saw you up in Montreal, I was just like, this guy is really having a good time. Yeah. And There was eight people at my show in Montreal. No, 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 no. no. You're huge up there, man. You, you <laughs> jam-packed the place, and it was like you were having a great time. And uh, and I could also tell right out of the gate that you – see, I didn't know you'd ever done stand-up before, but I was like, this guy – is either a natural or, but either way, he's really taking this seriously. You know, as comedians, we see a lot of guys who who go from TV shows who then become stand like soap stars. Yeah, and they'll just rape people. They'll go out and I'm famous, and they'll go out and they'll just take their money. Yeah, and maybe host the show with some real comedians, and they go up there with their fucking scrubs on because they play <laughs> a doctor on the show, and they eat their balls. <laughs> <laughs> and and they just rip people off, and they do one little trip around the country, and they steal everybody's money, and then that's it. So um, I'm not saying I thought that, but I'm just saying yeah. it was it was. I didn't know what to expect, honestly, yeah. when I went in. I was yeah. like, this is a guy I've seen do sketches. How's this going to translate? So uh, I'm going to say it a zillion times. September 30th at the. Uh, I think I'm saying this like like this is actually like a live podcast, like people are just tuning in. But September 30th, Boston Mass at the Wilbur Theater. It's going to be two shows. Um, tickets are red, uh, twenty twenty dollars and below. So definitely come out and um, check out his special. Um, any anything else? You actually were t- uh, mentioning. Uh, speaking of your house, you finally took the studio and everything out of there. I did. I did. I did that. I did my web show on TomGreen.com on my website for five years. And I can't believe you used to bring 
like fans of yours into your house. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And not, not as much of that. It, it wasn't. It wasn't happened. really open to the public. Really. Oh, okay. It okay, wasn't. Okay. No, we had. A, we actually had a couple of. Because really, it was more. The, I mean, I know I have bleachers in my living room. You've been up there. You've seen the. They aren't yeah, there anymore. But for, you the, saw, for those who yeah. didn't see, he, he literally had a TV studio yeah. in his living room. He had the desk. He had the, the, the two chairs next to it. And then he had he had bleachers and like full lighting grid, professional and, level cameras, yeah. drum kit for a band if yeah. they want to come the in. The drums and tune are still up. there. You can still play drums when you come up. It's, it's a great kit, yeah. by the way. Yeah, but uh, but um, yeah, so it, it was fun. I had so much fun doing it. But just I guess touring so much and and, and getting and getting that out of my system on the road, and and then when I come home, I just kind of want to just you relax. Want quiet. And, Want some quiet, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I did last night. I was working down Largo. Have you been down there? Uh-uh. You got to do I've it. I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got yeah, to yeah. do it. I drove by that thing a million times. It's right down on La Cienega, and it's unbelievable theater. It's like 300-seater. Come out. You know, the Oriental rug is there. Like, you're actually going to be doing some sort of art as opposed to telling dick jokes like me. But <laughs> And, like, it was like I've been wanting to be able to sell tickets out here forever, and I actually did a couple shows out there, made a little bit of money, and the dream was always to – Sell out a show, kill, say thanks to everybody, and then get to drive home to my own place. Because that's really yeah. what it becomes after a while. Take the dog out, yeah. you know, and then uh-huh. it's quiet, picking up dog shit. Like, that was, the, <laughs> that, was the, that was the whole night. Go down, kill, get that rush, and then go home and take my dog out and then go to sleep in my own bed. So uh, I totally know what you you mean. Yeah. I mean, how much traveling did you do while while you were doing... The TV shows, as much as of a grind it was, I've always been envious of people who had a TV gig because it's stationary. Well, when I was doing my show on MTV and stuff, we did a fair amount of traveling. I've always been on the road because we, we'd like to get out of the city and just go explore and find weird right. things in rural America in the middle of nowhere. And So we were always and, – and, and it usually you know, was, it, it was more productive if we'd get out on the road filming – the bits, because right. you'd you'd be sort of invested in it. The whole crew would jump in a van, and we or a couple vans when we were on MTV, and we'd take off across Kentucky, and we'd just film for a week, and come back with a lot of material. Yeah, you know? I'm trying to so. think of a show that I saw that did what you did before. I mean, I saw plenty after, like Jackass was a hardcore version of it. You know, where they would mess with people. Not like yeah. obviously the stunts they did was unique to their show, but how yeah. they would go out and they would like you know, like one of my favorites was when Johnny Knoxville had that. Whoopee cushion. He went to the yoga class. And he was just like, right, I, right. See, I could, I would be so embarrassed to do that, uh-huh, even uh-huh. though I knew people were watching, laughing. Like, I, I don't. I got this weird thing where I'm on stage. I don't get embarrassed, but I can, you know, get I, I, like stuff like that. I don't mess with people. Yeah. When I'm in public, unless I'm like drunk at a game or something like that. But uh, then, you know, I, I like I see a lot like a through line right through to Borat and all that type of stuff. Like that's all goes back. I, I think, was, I was inspired by Candid Camera and Letterman. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so that's the lineage as far as, like, how that goes. I always love just real stuff, you know, and also skateboarding videos, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think the thing is, is, you know, when – before my show, there wasn't – video cameras didn't exist, right? So in order to make a TV show in in the 70s and 80s, you know, you pretty much had to get a TV deal. So you had to go through a more traditional route. You had to go do comedy and then get a – TV deal, and then right. you get access to the cameras. We're here. We just went and got some cameras, right. and did what we thought was crazy. And uh, so, at, at, I mean, that was a, a, a real watershed moment for the way television has changed. You know, and and and, and in a lot of ways, people say and it's gone downhill now because you know it's it's not structured anymore. You know, right. 
But you know, all the, I think it's coming back though. There's yeah. like some sitcoms that are coming back, yeah. and I'm finding that all the like, reality shows now are so structured, though they're as structured as as the honeymooners. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's assisted, it's all, it's all assisted put together. Assisted reality. I yeah. I, I, had, I took a meeting one time with a guy from one of those reality shows, one of the seedier ones where they just have like those, you know, all those floozies in there, the whores, right? And, yeah. And I asked him like, how do you like? just go about shooting that and he goes i go do you just turn the cameras on he goes no 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 he goes you know first of all you keep them you know liquored up it was really but <laughs> you keep them liquored up and then you'll say like okay i want you to fight with her i go what if they say no he goes ah then you just go listen i got another 10 broads out there that'll fucking do it but it was really he was all like i felt all of a sudden like this guy was like confessing to a crime well, so what show was this uh, real housewives uh, of beverly no. hills or <laughs> Toddlers and tiaras. I, I can't watch that. Sh- like my girl watches those Real Housewives. Those yeah. girls are so fucking sad. Like you just see it in their eye. I don't know what they did with their lives, but that whole thing where you're 50 and you're still trying to look fuckable with you yanking your face back. It's yeah. like you should be like you should be beautiful like a mom. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. And dressing elegant, you shouldn't be dressing like a 21 year old. It just makes you look. Uh, it's like the guy with the toupee. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Still trying to wear a tank top. It's right. like put a sport coat on. Yeah, I, I like. I don't know. They're so. Uh-huh. And the weird thing is, is they're. I don't know if they're truly. Who the hell's is that? That's mine. That's I yours. Thought. Okay. I, I, I thought it was Patrick's. Yeah, was, All right. So now, now we're who, even. Who's the new guy? Okay. There we go. Um, the uh, those Real Housewives is, is that they're. F- I don't know if they're fronting that they're rich, but they look like they're filthy rich, yeah. and they're they're bored. Yeah. And they got that sad, lost look as they're sitting in like hot tubs in Aspen. Now their husbands are committing suicide. You know, I mean, uh, you, oh, I know. What really, hell? really Jesus. are upping the ante yeah. in order to get ratings these days. You know, <laughs> he's gonna come back. It's like a soap. I don't yeah. think he really killed himself. Yeah. He's yeah. gonna. Uh, he fell off a cliff. And <laughs> He'll a plane come back crashed. with Tupac, and uh, it'll yeah. be the biggest show in the history of television. <laughs> yeah. So what? Uh, what? Do you, as far as you, you're doing stand up straight up now, like, do you, is there uh, any TV movie stuff that we need to know about? Stuff that you got, uh, you got going on? Honestly, just ideas that I'm kind of trying to put together, but nothing that's on the immediate horizon. But okay. uh, I'll come back when we're ready to talk about it. You know, and uh, you absolutely. Know, yeah. and, and as far as uh, so, once you tape this thing, right? Get it in the bag and all that, then you're immediately going to go out and start writing the new hour. Is that is that the game plan? I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking because right the last six months, I feel like okay, I've really figured out what I want to do now with this right. show. Now I'm refining it, refining it, refining it. But I'm sort of tired of refining it now. It's like I just want to just put it to rest and 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 then st- and start fresh with a. You're right a, where a you want to be. Then you're yeah. right where you want to be. Well, listen, if you want to. Uh, if you want to go hit some rooms when you're going to put together your new hour, because oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna tape one the beginning part of next year. We're still working on a date, but there's a couple things that I, you know, with each special as you go along, you try to do something a little different so people aren't like it's the same yeah. shit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you wanted, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of cool stuff. I got I can't recommend Largo enough. Oh, I'd you love got, to hit, You got you got to go down there and check that out. But uh, I really want to thank you for coming down, man. I, I've been a huge oh, man, fan thanks. of yours and. Uh, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing your hour because, I mean, I saw it uh, over a year ago, so I can only imagine what you're doing now. Once again, for the final time, Tom Green's first stand-up comedy special is going to be taped live at the, uh, I guess not taped live, live on tape, right? At the Wilbur Theater in Boston, Massachusetts, two shows, September 30th. 
Um, where can people go to uh, WilburTheater.com? WilburTheater, I think uh, TomGreen.com will link to it. And I think Ticketmaster, too, has tickets. So Ticketmaster. Yeah. So please, friend of the show, Tom Green, people of Boston, stand up. Get your balls out there. Go to the goddamn show. This guy's going to be great. Uh, that's the podcast for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. I had a great time here. Thanks, Bill. With you, Tom. You guys have awesome. a good week. Don't take any shit. Go fuck yourselves. Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>